The American bard at last. I'll bet you a penny I can hit that chicken. I dabbled in pacifism once. Not in the Civil War. It's Whit Waltman. Maybe some foreplay before we get into it. Goddamn Hymans. Oh, I like Leaves of Grass. It just sounds super sexy and stuff, right? It's actually pronounced Whitman. We've been doing it wrong. I don't like juggalos and cowboys. <laughs> hey, welcome to People Time Podcast. Mother of God. Yeah. Mother of God. Yeah. We got our dabblers in here to listen to another episode. You fucking dabblers. And we have a special guest today. Yeah, today's a little bit different. We got a request to do a poet. And you probably know who the poet is because you clicked on the episode. I don't imagine you know what's going on. Yeah. I'm talking to you, listener. Unless you actually clicked on the wrong one. He's like, I wanted to listen to Rasputin, and now, yeah. and now I'm listening I'm to talking something. only to Steve, though. <laughs> Steve. Everybody else, cl- <laughs> shut your ears for a second. For ten seconds. Fuck everyone but Steve. The other voice you're hearing is uh, the person who requested Walt Women, who is also yes. a poet. Yeah. And we... Uh, people time originals are not poets and did not have the balls to try to deal with that. so we got Poetry. help we <laughs> invited we invited someone who knows more than us yeah. yeah somebody who could add uh legitimate context instead of whatever I mean, I, fuck we think i write poetry and i i like it well you're i'm not a whitman expert or anything just because you're not have you seen Why his book yeah get the fuck out <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> no, oh, unplug pretty, no, I love Whitman. I studied Whitman, you know, my bachelor's degree stuff. But like, this is like reading the Bible. This is, book is fucking huge. What book is that you have in your hand? Leaves of Grass. Leaves this of is grass. the 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 deathbed the edition. Death, the deathbed version. The last leaves of grass. Yeah, oh. you'll know what that means in a minute. Came out good. In You're 18, like, what is happening? 1892. The original edition came out in 1855. It's a lot smaller. So you get, you can't see this, but I'm holding the books. The 1855 edition is just a slim. It looks thin. It's yeah. It's like 12 poems, and then the deathbed edition is like the fucking Bible. The holy it's like deluxe. over 400 poems. It's a. It's and a, I've read a lot of it, but I haven't finished it because it's. It's a tome. It's a big, thick motherfucker. Like we yeah. were talking about this earlier, and it's like you start reading, you're like, "This is fucking awesome. I love this." And about 20 pages in, you're like. This is really long. This is a lot. <laughs> this is a huge commitment. Well, it's like poetry is a little bit different than reading other books. I feel like where yeah. they're trying to take in everything that they're you know they're they're usually kind of saying something a little bit more important. It seems like so. Yeah, you, you, you can't. You don't just read it just to like get a, to the end. You read it to you kind of absorb every it. word. Yeah. Absorb. Yeah. Whitman is a little different than other poets, though. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus we'll talk Christ. About that. We're going to talk about that. So you did the research on his I, life yes. pretty well. <clears throat> And then we have our guest who is a poet and reads and this stuff. And what understands. is so you're working on a master's degree in English? Um, well, yeah, more yeah. or less. <laughs> <laughs> is this the time to bring it up? I, uh, I let's pretend I didn't have finished <laughs> the bachelor's degree and I'm applying for the master's program. Now. And the goal oh, is poetry. PhD, though, right? I don't know. Maybe. Wait, wait, what's your what's your name for the podcast? Uh, we uh, like to share our names. Whitney Mintano here. <laughs> The internet's. Well, I'm not really on the internet. You are now. Yeah. The internet's. Uh, Poetryist poet. Yeah. Doctor B- Wimpany someday soon maybe. There you go. No, I don't know. I. Yeah, I write poetry. I have an online poetry journal I'm working on. You can. I name, publish poems and stuff. Yeah, you can name. Shit, drop yeah. I wrote a book. 
name drop your real name so people can find you if yeah. you feel like it. No. We just use fake names. Fuck them. <laughs> Good I luck finding them. Fuck you, Steve. Yeah. There's not well, much to find you yet. You do poetry readings and stuff. So that's why we wanted to bring them on. That's, I think this is awesome. Yeah, somebody who can actually dissect what happens here. Because I just have biographical shit. Hey, well, what's your name so everyone knows who you yeah. are? I'm Bugaboo Danny. Bugaboo Danny? Yeah. Nice. Is that a reference I should look up later? Yeah, it's on Netflix. <laughs> Somewhere on there. That's yes. It's on there. If you start watching Netflix at some point, <laughs> you run into it. Eventually, it. after Somewhere. a few weeks, Months, with like crust know. over your eyes. There it was. <laughs> I thought. Did I imagine it? He said it. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Good. I'm Jimmy Pesto. So Jimmy Pesto. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds See, like I get that reference. Yeah. That sounds like like an early '90s like punk band. Jimmy Pesto does. That wouldn't be a bad band name. Like, well, like pop punk. Yeah, exactly. With a cool female singer. Oh, and she's so hot. Yeah. She wears like these little booty shorts. Did you hear? Yeah, I guess (laughs) that. That's the 16 ounce can of beer. When you set it down, it goes. (sighs) (laughs) People haven't having some technical (laughs) This is the first time we've done three people, and I tell you, what a bitch it was. I don't know how people do this. But I'm glad we got it working, and it sounds like it's... Uh, it's very technical, but we're, we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Pesto figured it out. Yeah. Well, my real name is Tyler. Talila. If you search the internet, eventually you'll find... <laughs> so go through all of Netflix no. and all of the internet. You know, the first time I heard your real name, Tyler, I think I was in junior high and had already known you for five years. Yeah, and you're like, what the hell? Someone was like, yeah, you know Tyler? And I was like, <clears throat> which Tyler? And they're like, Tyler? And then they said your last name. And I was like, who? Yeah. And after they yeah. told me, they're like, his name's Tyler? And it clicked on me that the whole time I've been calling you by your nickname. Yeah. Hey there, Talila. What's it yeah. like in New York City? Yeah, I have a nickname I've had since I was a baby, but my real name's Tyler. I do oh, publish what you do poems. to me. <laughs> What's up? It's Tyler Mortensen Hayes. If you wanna Ooh, see so it, now you can Google check out his poetry. It. I have some poems. Well, should somewhere. we get Google into uh, the life of Walt Whitman? Jesus, yeah. Oh, well, do you have a fun fact? I do have a fun fact for the day. Is it fun? I think it's fun. Oh, fucking, um, my body is ready. Yeah. So what I learned, and I, I mean, we all learned a little bit about Johnny Appleseed when we were younger. Uh, this mm. weird guy who wore a pot on his head and went around and grew <laughs> apple trees. Well, like, I remember just planted a bunch of seeds. Even as a kid, I was like, "Yeah, this is fake." And that's what I thought too. I thought it was like kind of like a, it's almost like a nursery rhyme. Kind I think of he had like syphilitic delusions or something. <laughs> <laughs> I pl- see all those trees. I planted those. Yeah. Planted that shit. I get the pot off. Why? Your head. Why do you have a pot on your head? Yep. <laughs> but it turns out, uh, okay, he's a real guy. He's real? Yeah, his name is John Chapman, and uh, wow, that's he lived in 1774 weird. to 1845 when he died. But uh, he was actually like really well known around like Pennsylvania, Ontario, Ohio, India, Indiana kind of area for what planting apple trees. That's real. But he was also like considered to be like a really nice guy. Like he was very helpful to people around him hmm. and very community based. And the fun fact of what I wanted to share, which I thought was kind of interesting, because there's there's more information on him you can find. But when he was planting the apple, like the apple trees, yeah, uh, he thought that the apples were way too bitter just to eat, so he wasn't planting them to eat the apples. Don't eat this shit. Yeah, 
Instead, he was like, this will make some really good, like, hard cider I get drunk on. Fuck yeah. So he went around planting tons, like, through multiple states. He walked yeah. around. I don't know if he ever wore a pot on his head. I didn't ever see that he actually did. I don't, I don't well, know. I mean, he's he's pretty much walking around planting beer trees. He's probably <laughs> wasted. He's like, I'll put this pot on my yeah. head. That's yeah. actually badass. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Johnny Appleseed is a real guy, and uh, he was trying to create hard cider for everybody. You apparently. have inspired me. I'm going to see if there's enough material to people time this whole goddamn thing there might be who knows it's just that's Probably just hilarious that he's like see all that shit i planted it's disgusting <laughs> don't eat <laughs> don't eat it like ground it up tastes like shit yeah and get let's drunk. get wasted bro. but i they had to have been like crab apples right or or this was before i think yeah this genetic is... modification yeah, i don't when... think granny apple is like a normal thing yeah i think you're all gonna the, find this in the grocery all the shit store probably tasted pretty bad before like go well, what's GMOs. The, the likelihood yeah. that you're wandering through the woods and you find like a beautiful fresh red apple tree. It doesn't sound <laughs> likely. It's those little shitty green ones. But he saw one and he was like, That's fucking gross. I'm gonna plant a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate this. Let's make more. Yeah. See what happens when you crush it up and leave it in the sun for a few days. You know what I'm sick of? Not being drunk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> let's fix let's fix this. <laughs> Well, uh... So thank you, Johnny Appleseed. Yeah, thanks, John Johnny. Chapman. Yeah. I mean, you know, if he's a real guy and that really happened, maybe <clears throat> that's the whole reason apples are like a goddamn thing. Yeah? I don't know. I'm just saying things. Cool. I like that you say stuff. Sometimes I just say stuff. That's what Bugaboo Dandy does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we're talking about a poet today who, you know, like I said, I'm a little touch nervous about. Why? Pretending to be the authority on it. Well, his life is fine. We can people time his life. Yeah. Make some jokes, but I don't know. I'm not. I don't know. We're not. We're that's, not. That's we're not cool the artistic though, kind, me yeah, and you. I'm not. Um, that's why I, we have a guest. I know. You know. I know poetry, and you know the. I don't really know that much about his life. I'm a. We're gonna so all put it. I together. think the com- the combination of you two. Yeah. And then me, I just get a, I just get a jerk in the corner. It's awesome. Just jerk in the corner. I get the best job of all. Give yourself a Walt Whitman. <laughs> okay. It's a very special technique. Yeah, it's where you, you it's, actually... It's where you think about a guy. And, and poetry. <laughs> you think about a guy and poetry. Yeah. And that gets you fucking going. It's actually pretty good. I think I would recommend this to anybody to do it. Well, I was going to play this. I hope we don't get sued. Oh, Mom. I'm sorry I never come to see you. I'm just not a cemetery person. Here lies. Walt Whitman! Ah! Damn you, Walt Whitman! I hate you, Walt! Wanted to play that. Oh, we're gonna get sued, but that's okay. <laughs> what was he? What was the context of this? Yeah, he's looking for his mom's headstone. He yeah. found Walt Whitman's instead. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. Now, now the only thing I know about Walt Whitman is, and I think I know this. Maybe I'm wrong. Is he lived in New York, right? Hey, good call. Yeah, uh, maybe Long Island. Oh, is it Manhattan? Well, yeah, and Long Island. Yeah, that's yeah. and that he's a obviously a poet. I've read some of his poems. Yeah, um, they all went over my head. I'm sure. So. I don't. Uh, I'm pretty, uh, and that he had some um, poetry that I'm sure we're gonna get into that mm-hmm. he was bi or gay or something. Yeah, after the research, I think he's just straight up gay. But and maybe I should. I don't think back there's, then there's no consensus. You can do that. Yeah, I think you have. To Hopefully, I'm not giving any spoilers by saying that. But no, I mean that's actually the thing we normally ask. What do you know about him? That's about it. That's that's it. it. That's it. So I'm I'm stoked to learn about I, Walt Whitman. I. 
tits balls. All right. So when was he born? To give some context, he actually turned 200 this year. Oh, shit. So wow. it's, this uh, year. So he's a lot older than I thought. Like, he's a lot uh, further back than I thought. Stellar old. Yeah. Yeah, he's like uh, Civil War times kind of cat. See, I was thinking like late 1800s. Well, and to give some, some more modern context, uh, uh, Mastodon's Crack the Sky is 10 years old. What? That's, so that's relevant, right? Huh? Huh? Oh, okay. Uh, Ill Communication just turned 25. Anybody? All right. Hmm. No? Um, Atheist's Unquestionable Presence turned 28. And he bites. Um, Fly by Night turned 44. Fly by Night by Rush? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got one. <laughs> and then Abbey Road turned 50. Oh, okay. Wow. So, I love Walty Whitman's. I, 200, 200 I, years old? I just want to, I just want to talk about the Beatles. That's not what we're doing here. No, like that's the, not what we're doing here. He's like the Beatles of poetry. So. <laughs> there you go. Well, he is, yeah, he's kind of like the Beatles of poetry. I did want to just mention a personal thing. My wife and I actually bonded on our joy of Walt Whitman in our early 20s. Yeah, she told me about that. And, uh, we actually agreed if we ever had a, a son, we'd name him Walter. We're not going to have kids now. But it's the world of shit, but we would have. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a personal connection with Walty. That's pretty good. Walty Whitman's. That's his real name. So uh, when was he born then, if it's 200 years? May 31st, 1819. 1819. Yeah, and May 31st is actually my wife and I's anniversary as well. Duh, that was not wow. on purpose. It's fucking weird. Yeah, it's weird. It weird. feels cosmic. Maybe you're the reincarnation of Walt Whitman, even though it's just like much further down the line. Like his soul just hung out for a few... And then decided, like, I don't want to do poetry or understand anything about poetry. I'm not saying that you don't, but... I was in a poetry. Were you? Yeah, I went oh, to okay, then I should just Hello. keep my mouth shut. Yeah, I went to school for that, and then I left. I didn't know that. You always come off telling me that you're like, I'm not into that poetry stuff. I'm so I figured you're like me, you just don't get it. I don't get it. Oh, I, I don't, don't know if I even did at the time. It's easy to fake. <laughs> it's really easy to fake. Poetry? Yeah. Well, understanding what the fuck's going on. <laughs> it is. It's not really anything to get. Yeah, give us a. That's what oh, like poet. That's what poets always say. For like, yeah, give us there's a, nothing to get. Yeah. But I'm like, there's something. I'm but not that, getting it. Well, that's like the same thing as like, I love music, but I can't play an instrument at all. Yes. Yeah, and so you listen to a, mus- a musician, and they say, eh, "It's just a thing I do." Yeah. I don't get it. That's that's poetry, man. It's just like, oh, that is. You read poetry, it and you like man. it. It means something to you. Cool. Just don't. Don't overthink it. Well, is it supposed to be? Here's my thing, I guess. Is poetry supposed to be something that there's a clear and cut message that is hidden in a nice, cute way that the person has to figure it out, or is it supposed to be broad enough where like it's whatever yeah. you get out of it? Yeah, but if it's like got a clear message you're supposed to get, that's just bad poetry. Oh, so it's I think to, so you're supposed kind to be of a riddle. And... Well, even if the even if the poet meant something out of it specific, you can just say fuck that. I'm going to do whatever I want. Huh. It's hard because like when you're growing up, you know you're junior high and high school and they make you read Whitman and like whatever the teachers are always like what was he trying to say what was now? yeah what's the significance of yeah. this image I remember that uh, specific poem about like a spider and the teacher was trying to make a metaphor about time and I was like I don't think that, that I, think yeah. just, I think he's just looking at a spider there's <laughs> <laughs> a, a cool book spider. this is cool um, there's a book about this about this question about like why people grow up like hating poetry or being scared of it 
because you know in your upbringing it's like yeah it's you teach it's their teachers are like kind of condescending about it and make it hard to access and make you feel like there's all these crazy complicated themes that you have to get yeah the book i i think is called why poetry by matthew zapruder so i don't know i just think do whatever the fuck you want if you read it and you like it cool it's art yeah whatever hits you well, there you go. I did. I did like nice. when I was into poetry. I was more into the obscure or thing like Wallace Stevens, yeah, or T. S. Eliot, where it's like heavy, reverential, and you have to have like a fucking encyclopedia, stuffy, yeah. very stuffy. You got to yeah. get a companion. You do to the wasteland. Well, like in order to read it, you can't read the wasteland without a compendium <laughs> of some kind. I mean, you can. The fuck, is he talking? About I think you otherwise? can. I mean, you can, but yeah, you're gonna be like, what? What is going on? You know who I never was able to get into is Ezra Pound. I think out of anybody, he is the guy who didn't know what the fuck he was doing and knew that sounding obscure made him seem legit. <laughs> uh, that's, that's my guess. I think that's what's hard about it. It's like, it seems like whenever I try to read poetry, it's like I'm like trying to dissect somebody else's dream. It's like, <laughs> yeah. where they're like, so what does this mean? And then they tell you this really weird thing in a weird way, and you're like, okay, so I think... The clouds are actually your childhood, and yeah. uh, so boring. Though. I don't know. I can't figure it out. It's so boring. I I don't like symbolism. I don't like forced metaphors. Cut to it. Just say what. Just yeah. Hey, and I just think, say whatever you want to say. I think that's what Walt was going for. He got he cuts right to it. Yeah. Where he's just well, like shit is cool. It's still dense, but yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about him. All right. Biographically. So seventeen nineteen was when he was born, right? Eighteen nineteen. Eighteen nineteen. I'm sorry. I can't do simple math of 200 years ago. Yeah, who who could? Well, it's 200 years ago. Yeah. So 100 years ago is 1986? No. 1990. Wait. Wait. Do you have a calculator right. right here? 1819 mm-hmm. is uh, May 31st in Long Island to his mom is Louisa Van Velzer and his father is Walt Whitman Sr. Was he born in the United States? Yep. Long Island. Oh, is that what you just said? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And his dad is super fucking into America. I mean, you know, 1776 was not that long ago from their standpoint. So America's like brand spanking yeah. new. And, but his dad was super into America to the point where, so he had, they had a bunch of kids and his dad named Walt after himself, but then he had several sons. One he named George Washington Whit- Whitman. Wow. Um, Andrew Jackson Whitman. He did like America. <laughs> yeah, Thomas Jefferson <laughs> Whitman. <laughs> then he also had uh, Edward and Jesse. Fuck them. Who cares? Don't By care. the time he got to the... He's like, I don't even like the last two kids. You know, those were the only three guys I liked. Oh, <laughs> I don't care about you guys. And they had two, si- two sisters, Hannah and Mary. So he had a lot of siblings. Cool. He had a bunch. Um, and I think he's the second oldest, so his dad didn't even have the cool idea to name your kids after presents <laughs> until the third one. He's like, Wait, who was, was the first one a son or a daughter? The first one's Jesse. That's and pretty funny. So it goes Jesse and Walt, and then George that's Washington. That's how you know you really don't like the first child, right? When it comes yeah. out, you're like, I'm not going to name him after myself. I'm going to reserve that for later on. What's a stupid name? Jesse. <laughs> and then Walt comes out, and he's like, that's definitely a, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. definitely Junior right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had to try again. First time, they were like, fuck. Fuck. This one's this wrong. This one's not going to be a poet, I can tell. The third one is going to be great. The second one's going to be... Yeah, George. this one's not going to have a badass beard ever. No. <laughs> but the second one... I can feel it. <laughs> yeah, Walt did have a, a, an awesome beard, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got a nice, long, white beard there. He's very beardy. Looks like a wizard. 
He does <laughs> like Gandalf. Yeah. You're a poor um, Well, his brother Edward, uh, who went by Eddie, was mentally challenged. <clears throat> and that was like sort of a big part of Walt's life because he took care of him a lot. And he described Eddie as, quote, never had an inner life, but had the convulsions. It's terrible. That's how he described his brother. He's he's even poetic. Even uh, saying he didn't have an inner life. It sounds like he's saying he didn't have any thoughts. Like he was just dumb. Which unlikely, but I don't know. Mm. I think it's up to your interpretation. This is uncomfortable. Yeah, man. Or he said something terrible about his own brother. It's poetry, man. Just interpret it however you want. My brother's an idiot. He doesn't even think. (laughs) He shakes though. But it's a much nicer way of saying that. Yeah. Yeah, he's an idiot. Just shakes. He just sits around the couch, just like all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking. You might have been saying that. Huh? Whatever his name is. I have to feed him pudding uh, and Eddie? shit. I'm trying to be a poet. I'm busy. <laughs> you got no inner life, you <laughs> asshole. Yes, <laughs> I'm terrible. The more eat the, more the fucking about. pudding. Get an inner life. <laughs> have a thought, maybe. Have one. Go ahead and have one real quick. Oh, you can't because you're shaking. <laughs> This is terrible. <laughs> Walt said it. We're just we're just interpreting it. Well, laughing. Okay. His other family members weren't. His family was weird. So his brother Andrew Jackson uh, was an alcoholic who married a prostitute and hated her. Uh, his sister <laughs> Hannah was likely psychotic. And Jesse, his older brother, is ultimately admitted to the Kings County Lunatic Asylum. Yeah, he, uh, uh, he was the first kid that didn't get the uh, father's didn't get a cool name. name. Yeah, it's actually it's really sad. And his dad <laughs> yeah. was a very serious alcoholic who died early. So, you know, wow, all good fun times. So Walt, it sounds like Walt out of the family is probably the only one who is well known for any of his um, honestly accomplishments. I think him and George George Washington are the only two that had <laughs> like the real. What did George Sense Washington do? George actually like fights in the Civil War and ends up like oh, owning an import like a successful business. Do you think it's confusing anybody else when they're like he's in the Civil War and they're like George Washington's George- going out there? Gonna- <laughs> George Washington's in the Civil War. Lincoln, Shit. George Washington's win. on the field. <laughs> We're gonna fucking win, dude. <laughs> we won the last time he was here. This is gonna go awesome. <laughs> yeah, that worked out. Um, well, he fucking he hated his dad. He didn't identify with him at all. Walted. Yeah. Oh. Um, his dad was a farmer and a carpenter and a real estate investor, but primarily a drunk. Oh. And Walt didn't care for him. Didn't he, like, have a bunch of business ventures that all failed? All failed. Oh. And he had a bad temper. He used to beat the shit out of his kids, which... Oh, really? Well, I you mean, know, that's it, terrible. It's 1700s. Century. 1800s, whatever we're at, yeah. You beat your kids. It's, uh... You gotta beat something. <laughs> you know? And Walt wasn't famous yet, so you couldn't do a Walt Whitman by yourself in the corner and beat yourself. You had to have you had to your beat your father. kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. This yeah. got weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to get weird. Yeah, I imagine if he's beating his kids, he's probably also... Uh, what was Walt's mom like? She was nice, actually. He fucking loved his mom. His mom was who... Oh, awesome. He actually like adored and identified with. He said that Leaves of Grass is the flower of her temperament oh that's so cool what a yeah, way cool. like what a good uh way to dedicate your yeah like all of your work or mo- a majority after, of your work after she died he said that she is active in me her reality simplicity transparency uh and practical but transcendental and cloudy personality is is in me wow that's, that's cool he, described. he fucking loves his mom so yeah well good so he had a shit dad and a sounds like and a, a badass nice, mom and a nice mom yeah that kind of sounds normal yeah. 
It's like a thing. So did she help encourage him with his poetry and stuff at an early age, or was there anything about that? Or was no, it just something his that poetry doesn't come up until much later, Yeah, actually. Yeah, he didn't f- publish the first one until he was like 35 or something. Yeah, oh, wow, 35 or 36. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. So, yeah, I'll just run through his uh, his early biography before we get the poetry stuff. Cool. Which is like the fun the, the reason we're here. Yeah. Nobody knows about the early stuff. That's why he's not famous for that shit. I can't wait. God, I'm so mad. Why? Because I have to talk about stuff I don't care about. <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting, it's though. It's fun to learn. I want to talk about Mastodon's Crack the Sky. You guys passed yeah. right this is by it. people time. This is the fun yeah. part. Well, I will say... Let's do it. I'm. I feel like on the outskirts of Mastodon fans because that's my favorite album. It's their best album. And then when the album after it came out, I was like bummed. Like ah, oh, they didn't do another was like, a crazy concept album. The Hunter. Yeah, and They're all their fans were terrible. like, I mean, I, I like it, but no. when, when Crack the Sky came out, their most hardcore fans were like, "Fuck this! This is not metal. This is like prog rock." It's prog rock, yeah. It's my favorite one. Like Creed. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like human clay. Like with one bottle pearl. That actually sounds like a mastodon song. <laughs> 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 I don't know why I'm doing that. I'm take off my glove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. You know, throwing coppers. Twenty five years. Oh, I love year. that album. That throwing was part coppers of my notes too. It's kind of cool. Is yeah. it really? Yeah. I actually had a. I had like twenty albums life. with years on it. I was just name dropping albums. Nice. I'm just gonna go through all of them real quick. <sighs> Walt Whitman. <laughs> Walt Whitman. So when Walt was five years old, he met a gentleman by the name of Marquess de Lafayette, who is a French war general who fought in the Revolutionary War for us. Oh, really nice. So he was like a big American hero, and he went on like parades and shit. And at a ceremony, he met a young five-year-old Walt Whitman and lifted him in the air and gave him a big smooch for That's a weird. public thing. Did he know uh, he... Okay. It was, a, it was like a... Because he's a hero and yeah. going to see all the people and waving and stuff. And it's like Michael babies. Jackson. When you're famous, oh, you can kiss kids. And nobody cares. <laughs> nobody... Everyone's okay with it. Yeah. So, but Walt actually fucking remembered that and was like, yes, I have been christened to the cause of liberty. He, like, held on to that shit. <laughs> It's so it's odd, weird. Yeah, but I fucking kept telling that story though. Totally, yeah, that was a big though. deal. Yeah. So at eleven, he was taken out of school by his family because his dad is such a goddamn drunk that they couldn't take care of themselves. So they pulled him out of school to like get a job. Really? Oh, yeah. so he he left school that early at eleven. That's the same about the same time the Pooj left his schooling too. Yeah, and uh, Andre the Giant. Wow, that's weird. That seems wait. Andre the Giant thought he made it to Dude. a little bit further, didn't he? Twelve. Yeah, that's the age to drop 15. out. Apparently, that's apparently, what we all yeah, should. I, I should have done that. I would have been either a successful <laughs> poet or a spy. We'd be hella cooler. Spain or England. a junkie, but yeah, when you roll the dice, it's uh, whatever. <laughs> it's but a badass one. It's the yeah. same. Big risk, big reward. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of following through. Well, look, I didn't get much farther anyway, so... That's right. Yeah, I'm barely we, better than a junkie. And we both drop out of high school, so... Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I got my diploma. Yeah, I got my GHD. Uh, or GED. God, you I got my GHD. <laughs> I need to go back. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called again? Yeah, no shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah, so he just starts getting, like, odd jobs to help his family because they... To kill 007? 
I'm sorry. Yes, to kill 007. I didn't realize how much you used the word odd jobs a lot, and it just comes, comes up, up often. It just comes up a lot. <laughs> uh, he odd also, uh, when he was younger, met, uh, I guess, famous preacher named Elias Hicks, who's a Quaker. And he's very unorthodox, where he doesn't like embrace doctrinal Christianity, but more of like a loose spiritualism. Quakers seem cool. They do. They're pacifists and regular folks. And who doesn't like oatmeal? <laughs> who doesn't like oatmeal? <laughs> a lot of people don't like oatmeal, I guess. Huh. Mushy. I dabbled in pacifism once. Oh. Not in Not course. in the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Walt was super into Elias Hicks, so he attached onto that loose spiritualism and started like, re- replicating him. And started working for a law firm, law firm, and doctor's offices as an errand boy. Uh, what age was this around? Is this sound, same 11. time frame? Yeah. 11. Yeah. When he starts running around doing his thing. Uh, he also met Aaron Burr, who is the guy who killed oh, yeah. Alexander Hamilton in a duel. And then he also met uh, Andrew Jackson. So he met like a bunch of pretty Wait, wait. Guys. Go back to that story. I've heard this one. So the, the duel one. Who was... I, who? I don't know a ton about it. I know Aaron Burr was a politician and uh, Alexander Hamilton was... Yeah, I was just reading about this like in passing though, so I don't have all the info. Mm-hmm. But like... Yeah, there's been a few duels that have been like that, where it's like high-end politicians, and yeah, they actually duel and like shoot the other person. Like a thing, I guess. But yeah, Aaron Burr killed him. Killed Hamilton. Was it, so is, is he like considered to be the good guy of the two people? Like, what? I don't know if there's a good guy in a duel or not. <laughs> You're just two assholes. <laughs> well, I mean, like, where like where people like voting or like voting, but rooting for one of them to be like, I hope that guy wins. So it's like, probably yeah, sides on both sides. Uh, Huh. It's such a weird thing. There's crowds of people. Apparently, there was also kill like, him. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently, it wasn't like you think of like when they were making like the Declaration of Independence and all that stuff. It was like this nice civil thing, but apparently, there was a lot of fighting and like people stabbing each other and beating each other with canes. Like accounts of weird shit happening. Old time shit. It's slavery. Slavery. Oh yeah, there was that that whole thing too. Oh that. Yeah. Yeah. Was that so the Constitution slavery yeah. and duels did not come up into the Constitution. They were like, no, let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah. It's not sexy. It is though. I mean, <laughs> not the slavery sick. part, but the like. People oh. are are lining up with old school guns. To, that's weird. Slavery is very. Sick. So he knew the guy who won that duel. Yeah, he met him when he was running his his little errand boy runs. That's cool. Okay. And he, uh, as he became a teenager, he moved to Manhattan by himself. I think at a certain point he was just like, "Fuck you, drunk dad." Yeah. I'm gonna go do my own thing. And Manhattan at this time is like. Think of, like, Gangs of New York. You seen that movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all dirt roads. Lots of just chickens yeah. and pigs running around and, like, hookers. Not what you think of New York now. Not now. I mean, kind no, of the hookers, uh, maybe. No sanitation. No, uh... No. Just the streets literally just filled with feces and, and shit. It's gross. Probably smelled really terrible, but he was all about it. Dude, that's, <laughs> that's why... Like, this is that's actually place. why I bring it up, because here's a direct quote from him. Uh, Manhattan, which is also what it's called... How fit a name for America's great democratic island. The word itself, how beautiful, how aboriginal, how it seems to rise with tall spires glistening in the sunshine with such a new world atmosphere. Immeasurable steam engine rolling on in its indifference to grind me from limb to limb. Wow, so he was pretty enthralled with it. And if you need to pinch a loaf, just drop trowel, just right there. Wherever. (laughs) If you like taking shits in the street, you're going to (laughs) love... This place. Manhattan. <laughs> hey, 
go to Manhattan, 19th Wait. century, just shit right in the road. He said towers. How big are the buildings at this time? This there's is still... Not. There's no... I think it, his contact aspires probably like three stories. And they're like, fuck! Nice. <laughs> 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 the top like, Jesus. Dude, 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 don't crazy. look so close to Look that. how high <laughs> I'm up. Look how high I'm up. Kind of smells like shit up here, too. <laughs> Jimmy, look how high I am. Oh, watch me take a dump over the side. Oh, no, do it. Oh, do it. Oh, do it. Well, he's also a poet, so he you know, made it sound pretty. The spires and See, that's towers. what I love thinking of him sitting on a park bench full of inspiration, just like, oh, these spires. And across the street are two jackasses. Like, I'm going to shit off the top. Okay, uh, grab me that child prostitute. I'll bet you a penny I can hit that chicken. <laughs> I'm gonna grab me a pig to fuck. My wife's not into it. Right so that's me. the same as when you're not in Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. Okay. Yeah, and Walt <laughs> fucking loves it. Like this is a cesspool of yeah horseshit pigs, prostitutes. But it's also crime. like revolutionary because it you know yeah there was never like a civilization like this before. This is a big mixing pot at this point too. Still right. I mean a lot of immigration coming here, so you've got a lot, a lot of, of people. So you got like tons of different cultures. I'm yeah, sure it's probably really awesome. Well, and they fucking hated immigrants then too. I mean, well, yeah, but luckily everybody. I think everybody hated everybody at least, so that wasn't quite so dominating on one yeah. side. You know what? Always question I always had: they fucking hated the Italian and Irish immigrants. The Irish. Came over. Yeah. I, I can't tell the difference right now. Like, if you show me an Irish guy and an Italian guy, I don't know. One of them says, "Hey," which one? The Fonz. <laughs> The guy in the leather jacket. He's not even Italian, but that's what I picture. I think he's supposed to be. Of in the early, maybe not. Fonzarelli. Is he supposed is to his be? name? Yeah, oh, there you go. Arthur Fonzarelli. And then so the Irish Italian. guy. Um, I'm trying to think of another terrible. He's just drunk. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm trying to think of another terrible. Uh, he's trying to steal your lucky charms. Stereotype to use. No, yeah. Ho ho ho! like funny thing is I've never heard an Irish guy Kill ever say anything like that or, or yeah that's what they do oh okay they see Lucky Charms they go <laughs> you know I never realized Give me the how, lucky charms. how terrible of a commercial that really is <laughs> that commercial yeah Lucky Charms commercial such a stupid like caricature yeah, yeah. it's it's gotta be racist right it's gotta it's be it's definitely right? I don't know not not not, not racist. I haven't watched a commercial like I don't know, in forever. Get me Lucky they're Charms! All, they're all now 5 to 15 seconds long from YouTube or whatever. Well, Lucky Charms is a terrible product. Don't buy that. <clears throat> yeah, I don't even like the marshmallows. And if you do, you don't even like the marshmallows? Mm-mm. I was about to say, you put them all to the side. Yeah. Eat all the shitty stuff. And then at the end, you're like, yeah, now I have nothing but marshmallows. That's what I did. You can just go buy a bag of marshmallows. <laughs> you gotta... So, it's a little painstaking to get through the shitty cereal part <laughs> but you know there's a reward coming oh great because then it's just you guys never thought to just like maybe they put that stuff back in the box and only pour out like eh, it's too much work it's not yeah oh I so mean, you're you, not working you, for it you earned something and then you drink the milk and it tastes like <laughs> sugar but see if you put all the marshmallows in your bowl and then eventually somebody else comes along to go do it and they want some lucky charms and all the good <laughs> well, shit and it's funny <laughs> to watch and laugh and... Well, i mean that's fucked it... up i'd be so mad <laughs> I mean, you, as a kid, like, you're still eating to get full, yeah. so you're going to eat all of it, That's true. Well, you're but just, your primary objective is gotta get, that get rid of all this shit so I can have, like, marshmallow. Well, and your mind tells you that that's the healthy part, <laughs> which is not, but you tell yourself, yeah. like, I need my nutrients before I, I get my marshmallows. sugar-covered wheat thing. Wheat puff. <laughs> that's, 
still tastes like sugar. I don't know. Just less <laughs> it's than marshmallows. It's still coated in sugar, and we yeah. didn't prefer it. Because <laughs> it's this not, has only fifty percent sugar. sugar. I don't care for this. Fuck you, Lucky Charms guy. Just give us marshmallows. <laughs> That's all we want. Oops, all berries? <laughs> what oops? Like someone just grabbed the lever and was like, oops. <laughs> we should invent that. Oops, all marshmallows. Yeah. And that'll, the commercial will just be that. So this people time... <laughs> this people time podcast has been brought to you by Lucky Charms. Oops, all marshmallows. Oops. Hey, go get some. Uh, currently, you have to make it. <laughs> Yourself. You have to go, oops, I separated it. It took me nine hours. <laughs> oops. oops. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it, though. Yeah. Where were we on Walt Whitman? Fuck, I don't even know. (laughs) So as Walt gets a little older, he sees a speech by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Who's that? Mm. So Ralph Waldo is, he's the fucking guy for uh, literature and a general, like, American philosophy so he's already in the 19th century. Well known for his work at this point when he meets Walt. He's like the biggest writer of the time. Yeah. Emerson is... The J.K. Rowling. Oh, it's uh, a weird comparison. <laughs> That's all I got. So he's like, vastly different, but yeah, in terms of like, I mean, everybody popularity. adored Emerson. Yeah, loved his work. He wrote poetry and essays. You know, it's like a honestly. I think to get like a co-opt to be legit at the time, you needed Emerson's thumb up. Yeah, you needed Emerson to be like, yeah, that guy's cool. And Whitman got it, but. Well, he forced we'll, it. We'll get to that. Yeah. It's fun. It's a fun story. That's, that's something I do know. Well, early on, Whitman saw a, a lecture by Emerson about... Emerson was really into transcendentalism, uh, which I won't go into. What's but that word? Transcendentalism is a type of... It's a philosophy. It's okay. Like an American philosophy. I don't want to go into it. I just want to make sure. Yeah. It's like nature elevates you above the mundane, like you're... Yeah. I mean, that's one aspect of it. But. And then, like, they're staunchly individualistic beat yourself all the time type of thing there's some spiritual bullshit in you there. beat yourself i beat myself all the time <laughs> so like because that's what emerson told me to do hmm. i was like I'll like that. rasputin style with a whip or <laughs> no the fun way <laughs> okay. and i just look at pictures of ralph waldo on the internet and hank with just the name hank i have to be careful with that now no. i i can't carry the piece of paper around with me anymore why it's too intense. My life gets hyped up right away. As soon as I look at him, I'm just like, Boy, ah, gotta go, gotta go. Well, he saw a lecture by Emerson about, Emerson was talking about how the American, like, character and identity had not been figured out yet. There wasn't, like, an American literature. There wasn't an American poet. There wasn't, like, a oh, fucking guy. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, well, it was you, Emerson. But he was looking forward to the guy. It's sort of like a Christ figure, like, somebody's going to come and define us. And Walt was in the crowd and just stood up and had a huge erection. Of course. And went home. And I am Walt Whitman now. But he was before? No? No, that's actually not true. He did see the lecture and was psyched and was and it just boiled in his brain for a while. Like, Was he yeah, already writing? What, what would be an American? Huh? Was Walt already writing at this time? Or is this, like, is this the inspiration right here? No, like, he was writing, but... He was a journalist. He was a journalist oh, and, and he did write some poetry, but it... Was it good? He didn't. Well, everyone's got to, you know, you got to start off somewhere, right? You got yeah, to practice somewhere. and <coughs> read well, this, along. At this point, from like 1835 to 1841, he just dabbled in. We love dabblers. All of the dabblers. 
Walty dabbled himself as a journalist and a typesetter and a, a journeyman printer, which keep in mind, like back then to print was like, you did it with your fucking hands. Like you would like, like you'd write it out. <laughs> there wasn't like the computers printing, the printing doing this shit for us. Pretty it was like uh, big plates for each page of the book. Big yeah. plates. We had to line up every individual page. Yeah. So he did that, and he was also an amateur journalist and a uh, an editor and an essayist, and he worked for like a thousand different newspapers, just doing all this kinds of shit. Uh, he was also briefly a school teacher, although he fucking hated that. He, he actually, didn't like being a school teacher. Why not? I don't. He just found it tedious. He wrote a short story called "Death of" or "Death in the Schoolroom." <laughs> um, it literally is. It's a short story where he just bitches about teaching and how much he doesn't like kids. <laughs> like uh, these morons. He fucking hates it. <laughs> and he briefly has his own paper called "Long Islander." Oh, that's cool. That is about local pieces in Long Island, just really about like rural, like cows and shit. And he mostly uses the office he rented out to play ring toss with his brother George. <laughs> and then That's he, so cool. He actually quoted in his Brad. journal that he spent the majority of his time loafing. And he said that I was a first-rate aquatic loafer. I possessed almost unlimited capacity for floating on my back. <laughs> fucking awesome. So I think that means <laughs> so cool. he got an investor to be like, yeah, the Long Island are cool. He rents out a place and then sits on the beach all day <laughs> what's more american than that he plays games with his brother in the office <laughs> he brings him in there he's like aren't you supposed to have stuff in here so i was like yeah okay come play this game <laughs> dude i found this ring toss for real oh, is this fuck new yeah i love ring toss <laughs> i heard about this this is new so how long do you have this place rented for oh, a few months at least i don't know i could bullshit this paper all day dude <laughs> and he just writes down uh cows and shit cows and shit happen today yeah well, uh, he's also described uh, as it's growing into manhood as six foot tall and very large and very arrogant. Walt? How, yeah, this is how people describe right. him. Very arrogant? Very arrogant. Very lazy and arrogant. He's a loafer and he's always right. Dude, I'm half wall women. Yeah, you are <laughs> six feet. I'm, I'm six feet. I'm <laughs> arrogant. I'm lazy. I'm just not cool. He, he was confident. <laughs> confident is another <laughs> word you could use for arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm not successful. Like so, <laughs> you just need to start writing I, shit down and call it poetry. Just wait till you're 35. Oh shit, I'm almost start there. Start doing something, you know, cool and important. I'm go rent out a place. And play right some now, ring you toss. should be play ring toss, like just floating in a kiddie pool in your backyard. I'd be like, I have an I have a really good knack for this. <laughs> Throwing <laughs> plastic rings. <laughs> like this is With my. Your, yeah, and then when your parents are like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I'm preparing, dude. <laughs> you don't I'm know. working up to something. You don't just wait. <laughs> I could imagine you sitting in a kiddie pool in your backyard just throwing rings like at your dogs. And the dogs, yeah. And they just play with them. You're like, this is great. It's <laughs> a fucking day. I'm going to be a poet someday. I'm going to tell my wife I'm quit my job because this is the new yeah. goal. And then when people ask her, like, I, I run a newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, like, tell her, like, you know the name Walt Whitman, right? Don't you want everyone to know the name Jimmy Pesto in the same way? Yeah. I'm working towards that. <laughs> Soon. Babe. Four more years. God damn it, babe! <laughs> Let me quit my job. <laughs> I'm an artist. I'm an artist. <laughs> well, that was what he did for a long time. And then in 1842, uh, he becomes more of a like serious journalist and a serious writer. He actually writes two novels, 
One is called uh, Franklin Evans or The Inebriate. That's what Wait, it's called. Is that the full title or is it one or the other kind of a scenario? It's the whole title. Oh, Franklin okay. Evans or The Inebriate is okay. like the title. It's, it's weird because that's also uh, Kurt Vonnegut has a book. It's the same way where mm. the title has or in it. And I, first time reading, I was like, so it goes by both names or like one or the other? Or, no, what that's the full title. Yeah, Slaughterhouse Five or The Children's Crusade. Is that yeah. what it is? Yep. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think that's like a literary thing to say. Or yeah. the other, the, the this description. Yeah. This adjective. Or verb. <laughs> I dropped out of schools. We got, a, we got an English guy here. What is it? What is what? What is inebriate? Like a person who's... Is it a verb? It's a noun for like a person who's drunk. Drunk. Or yeah, yeah. inebriated. Well, but it's a noun is what I mean. Yeah. He's an He's like, he's a drunk. It's a person, place, because it's thing. a person, pla- it's a person, place, or drunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're an. You don't remember that? From <laughs> I'm an. School? Oh, so this is people time or the Jimmy Pesto and the Inebriates. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good title. That should be the. Yeah, I'll take that. Well, so Franklin Evans is a temperance novel, which is a type of novel that was popular at the time. Really, what that means is it's a, a moralistic story against drinking. Oh, really? Yeah, so there was like a thing back then <clears throat> about too many drunks around, and it became popular to write stories about how not drinking is good for you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Franklin Evans, is, I haven't read the whole thing. It's boring. <laughs> and Walt actually called it damned rot of the worst sort. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. so cool. He oh. said that he wrote it in three days while into the influence of port, gin, and whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. I love how, like, see, that's that's... If I ever wanted to go into being a better writer or at least, you know, a poetic kind of way, it'd be for that sake. I, I, I don't have very good thoughts to write about. I don't have anything interesting. But to be able to, like, say shit like that to people is awesome. To, like, write something that gets some attention and people ask about it and you're like, it sucks. <laughs> I was fucking drinking the whole time. I was wasted and it's garbage. What did he say the very first line he said again? What was that he said about it? Uh, it is damned rot. It's damned of rot. The worst of the sort. worst sort. Of the worst sort. Well, perfect. And I think that sort of like I don't. He wasn't into being sober as much as he just knew it was popular and he wanted to be a successful writer. So he wrote what was cool at the time. Well, and his father was a drunkie and he didn't like that so much, right? <clears throat> no, but he drank. He, I don't think he was a, a drunk. It was his an, dad or me. Inebriate. He's not an inebriate. He yeah. sounds like he's going to be kind of like a similar aspect of like Winston Churchill when he mm. makes fun of other people or things. He's just mm-hmm. very, he's cute about it. He says it in a way that's just like, fuck, that's pretty good. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I was, Walt comes off as very sassy. Yeah. Cheeky and sassy. What? Yeah, he, he's got a fun sense of humor. Um, he also wrote a book called Life and Adventures of Jack Engel. Um, this is cool because nobody actually knew it fucking existed until 2017. Wow. Like really? A graduate student at the University of Houston was going through some old papers, and he found an advertisement in like an old, old Manhattan newspaper saying, Walt Whitman's new serial novel coming next week called uh, Jack Engel. And he's like, I've never heard of that. So he tracked down all the newspapers that had them, and yeah, there's a serialized novel in there that nobody fucking knew so existed. They, they found it, the whole novel? Yeah, he found the whole thing. You can buy it now. And before, how did it get lost? It was just something that it ran and then he went. It wasn't that popular at the time. Pushed no. other stuff. He's yeah. really described as like low, low level writer. Okay. Because even like Franklin Evans is his most famous novel. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. It's not that good. 
So at the time, he's he's not popular with his writing at this no. point. With his he's popular enough to like make a living, but he's not. Holy shit, big. Yeah, he's not uh, Charles Dickens or whoever else was cool at the time. Yeah. I can think of other people, but they're much further down the road, like Mark Twain and stuff. But yeah, Mark Twain's a little bit later. Yeah, he's like another uh, yeah, hundred years. <laughs> yeah, not that popular. But you can now buy this novel. It's been the serialized version's been thrown together, and it's actually about a lawyer who's trying to steal an orphan's inheritance, which sounds fun. And the audiobook, if you want to look it up on on Audacity, is read by John Hamm. Who's John Hamm? John Hamm is from uh, Mad Men. Oh, and Thirty Rock. He's, he's hmm. exceedingly handsome. Ozzy is for his singing or seeing his voice, his reading. He has a good voice too. Yeah. John Hamm. I saw an interview where he talked about doing this reading, and he apparently has a degree in English, and is very well spoken and very handsome. Hmm. Kind of want to kiss him. <laughs> the handsome part's gonna help me. So I'll definitely go for it. Like on an on, on an audiobook, you're just he's in your mind. Pretty. Like, you sound like a good-looking guy. So I, this is something I did not know uh, about uh, Walt Whitman. I thought he only wrote poetry. I did not know he wrote any novels or anything. Mm-hmm. So as far as anyone knows, it's just the two novels and then a shit ton of uh, journalistic stuff. That's you cool. can actually find. They have compilations of them. Nice. It's not that interesting. Have you read any of his novels, or do you stick mostly with his poetry? <clears throat> I haven't read any of his novels, yeah. no. I don't I think that's... You. I don't think it's a really big thing. I think he's more known for his poetry, obviously. Yeah, nobody right? nobody really talks about his novels being worth shit. Yeah, I don't I don't imagine they're very good. No, honestly, it's I mean, a side note. The early ones too, right? This is like his early writing. This is actually before poetry. Yeah, yeah. For him. he was he was dabbling in being a novelist, and that didn't just it just didn't pan out. Okay. Um, he did also briefly meet Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, wrote for cool. Poe's paper, the Broadway Journal. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't know that. He said that Poe was uh, nice and polite, but didn't care for his writings. Too dismal. Too, too, he <laughs> too actually dreary. called it macabre. That's yeah, <laughs> his description. Well, that's what Poe cool. was all about, right? cool thing about Poe, though, is like, yeah, he wrote this, like, scary, creepy, violent shit, but in one of his essays, he said, like, the reason I write this shit is, like, to illuminate the beauty of the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Hey, there's beauty everywhere, even in the... Sell- it's a very goth thing to say. Like, I wear black to illuminate the light. I mean, kind of, but... <laughs> <laughs> You're really it. Sorry. I just think it's cool because it's... The opposite end of the spectrum is, like, obnoxious, like, Instagram t- quotes of, like... Yeah. You're amazing. You can do anything. And the other end... Oh, you put one foot in front of the other. That's actually a good point. I don't feel inspired by intentionally inspirational yeah. shit yeah there's like just as much value in like ugly vulgar things yeah as long as it's that. not for the sake of itself besides i think poe did a great job on like that's obviously what he was going for that melancholy kind of yeah style but it's i like poe stuff yeah it's fun like it enriches you that's like the, the, whole, um, the whole point right which story is that where yeah kills the guy and he can hear his heart beating under the floor. The telltale heart. Yeah. yeah. The, so yeah. that, after I read that, and that was in like junior high, that image is burned in my brain. Yeah. And I don't know if that's... Yeah. I don't feel it's inspired your guilt. by you it so much. You can hear it, somewhere. can't you? Whatever you did wrong, you can hear it. It's following me. Did you read the one, uh, The Cask of Amontillado or whatever? I don't think so. It's like one guy like buries his enemy alive mm-hmm. with bricks and just slowly is piling them up while his friend is like chained up behind the bricks. Oh. And 
It just buries him alive in there. That sucks. Why is he burying his friend? <laughs> I guess it's been a long time since I read it, but I do remember as a kid being disturbed by that one. Yeah, like the guys in there, like moaning, like I'm gonna die in here. I'm chained up. He's like, I'm just being. Yeah, it's, it's like, disturbing. I'm doing this because it inspires me to be a better person. <laughs> the world's beautiful, man. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful knowing that I'm killing you very slowly. <laughs> I feel inspired. One by brick this. at a time. Don't you feel man. the beauty? Of Don't be a dick about existence this. right now, Amontillado. Don't be a dick about this. He said, the cool thing is I don't even have to like really actually even break this up. You're chained up. I could just walk away, but this is better. This is way better. <laughs> this you is watch this better. happen. <laughs> I feel One pretty beautiful about this. Brick of inspiration at a time. And I'm making eye contact the whole time. <laughs> so Walt wasn't into that. No. He's like, this is a little yeah, bit not, too dark. It's not surprising. That's not his thing. Well, he actually starts to make decent money now. Um, like, you know, he's living and he starts investing in real estate. Uh, to the point where his deadbeat dad moves the whole family from Long Island in to Manhattan to be like, Walt, help. Yeah, they mortgage a house out there, and after a couple months, um, almost get kicked out of it because they're not paying the mortgage. Bummer. So Walt actually comes in, takes over the mortgage, starts making payments for his so he has house, money to starts... Do uh sets up like things for Eddie, his his brother to to like get out of the house and do stuff. So he's daddy now. And his dad just drinks himself into whatever. Yeah. He's you just said asshole. he dies pretty young, doesn't he? His, his father? Yeah, he dies in eighteen fifty five of alcohol abuse. And Walt you know, I, that was not what I took away when I used to read his poetry. I didn't see him as like a highly responsible person. Um not for any particular reason. But yeah, yeah. he was he was taking care of his family. Damn. You don't Way see that, on. and you don't see, like, the disturbing, like, he had a really fucked up family and really difficult. Yeah. You don't see that. I mean, kind of do, but he doesn't dwell on it. I mean, honestly, other than him and George, they were all fucked up in some way. Yeah. And you just, I would see him more as the fucked up one, but he's not. Well, it seems like his writing from the little I have read of Walt, he seems to be more on the inspirational side, more uplifting Very. side. Oh, yeah. So it's pretty yeah. interesting that he kind of had... It doesn't sound like he maybe wrote a lot about his own, maybe struggles with his family and stuff. So much like psychology. <laughs> maybe it was like a, yeah. a a coping mechanism, an escape. I don't know. Yeah, Shit. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Oh my god, I think we've cracked into something here. Shit, that's awesome. Maybe you, that is what it is. Does everybody feel that? Wrote his, you know, wrote through his demons. Do you feel that? Yeah, it's your foot. On hey, my wiener. <laughs> hey, reader, do you feel my foot on Jimmy Pestle's wiener? Do you feel it? Uh, Walt Whitman's with us. His spirit. Well, he also, this is a side note, but he gets super into phrenology. What is that? Soup. Phrenology is the pseudoscience of head shapes. For real? It's weird. Is yeah, this where so, they also say, like, each part of your head is, like, diagrammed for being yeah, a specific... Yeah. That's, yeah. It's so, like palm reading on your head? Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> they would take... I think I think it's based on like segments of your head and then the shape of those segments and what that indicates. Yeah. So phrenology we know works because the the guy that Walt went to his name was Lorenzo Fowler. Lorenzo is known to be a very very uh, important phrenologist who discovered that the uh, negroid head shape is indicative of low intelligence, oh, low verbal skills. And best suited for servitude. Was that Walt's head size or whatever? No, Walt's Walt's a white guy. 
but Lorenzo, or Lorenzo Fowler indicated that the Negroid head shape indicated oh, those Oh, the Negro. I'm sorry. I didn't hear he stories. also indicated that the Jewish head shape indicates deceitfulness. So we know phrenology works. Wow, yeah. What a Jesus, way to like man. be able to put your racism in a, another form of like hiding it behind supposed science that's obviously not true that we well, know today. But I was curious where we stand off phrenology now, and I actually found out recently uh, a general Michiganite's head was measured, <laughs> and it's indicative of smelling like ass, <laughs> being generally a jerk-off, and beating children. Did you find out what the Alabama was of the 1950s? I did not look that. We could probably look that up. Oh, okay. Um, but Walt was super into it. Uh, he actually got a report from Lorenzo that read, his leading traits uh, of character appear to be friendship, sympathy, sublimity, and self-esteem. And markedly among his combinations in the dangerous faults of indolence and a tendency to the pleasure of voluptuousness and having the reckless swing of an animal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This guy was just scamming people. So yeah. Walt uh, actually kept that paper that indicated his phrenological mm-hmm. report until his death. They found that paper really? in his papers. So wow. did he? Was it something he like? believed in or was it something that he just was like this is fun no he 100 percent was into it that's like uh what people do for their uh astrology readings and shit they just yeah crystal get, ball shit you get some bullshit stuff read to you and you're like that mm-hmm. totally describes me and i'm gonna do those things yeah where it's but, i don't know what the term is for that where it's just uh like positive reciprocation where people just say general things that people would want to hear about themselves yeah like, you know, you're really good at something when you want to be there. And people are like, that's <laughs> Shit, fucking true, that's dude. <laughs> dude, when I do want to do it, I'm good at it. And the, the person's like, yes, I know. The spirits told me. They also told me you're going to die of foot cancer. <laughs> like, I didn't want that. <laughs> well, you can avoid it. Uh, just pay me twenty five ninety nine a month, mm-hmm. et cetera. And if you die of foot cancer, how mad would you be? <laughs> I'd be so pissed off. <laughs> I paid. I paid my monthly you bill. Lied. Um, he also briefly goes to work at a newspaper in New Orleans. Uh, takes his brother Jeff with him. He's only there for two months because he gets fired. That's like a thing for him. He constantly gets fired. Wait, from what are you getting fired for? He gets fired for being arrogant or indolent. Is what they usually say, which just What's means being mean? a lazy asshole. <laughs> He's constantly fired from So they're like, write that page. He's like, I'm smarter than you. Shut up and go away. I'll write it later. Yeah. And they're like, you're fired. I think as soon as they give him a space, he puts his feet up and starts playing ring toss. <laughs> He's like, I've owned my own place before no, I know how this works. This, this is, is what I do. <laughs> no, it works for me. Trust me. Give me give me, give me, me three months. Get my brother. Give me three months. Uh, well, he gets fired. And it's in New Orleans that he physically sees slavery. And this is the first time that he's... Because in New York, slavery is more of a concept. Uh, around this time, the 1840s, yeah, um, there are slaves, but this is around the free states, non-free state stuff that we talked about in the Harriet Tubman episode. And New York doesn't have slaves, so that's not something he physically sees. So when he's in New Orleans and he sees these like, this sucks. I don't like slavery. This is, I don't feel good about this. And to give you some context, this is actually the same time, 1849, when Harriet Tubman walks the fuck out of Maryland. Oh, yeah. For Um, the first time? For the first time. Yeah. So this is around the time that he uh, is in New Orleans, sees slavery, and kind of has a mind change, and he goes back to New York because he got fucking fired. Yeah. 
And this is when he starts being like politically active. He is into anti-slavery and the free soil movement. Oh, it's so good. I was, I wasn't know, I didn't know which way it was gonna go. So I, well, I wanted Shepard to come up and be like, "It's still not great." Well, I mean, even the North <laughs> side wasn't great during this time frame. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if he's gonna come back and be like, "I got I mean, me a slave." Like I didn't know which back. way. <laughs> I bought a person. Check yeah. it out. It's cool. I mean, didn't Lincoln like only sign the Emancipation Proclamation as like a political move? Pretty much. And also, like, I mean, it didn't really do two weeks anyways. before he signed it. He committed the largest mass execution in American history. Like what? Thirty nine. Whoa. Uh, Native American men. Fuck oh, Lincoln. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, the largest in American history. Wow. Wow. Yeah, well, we're going to be doing Lincoln now. later on, so we'll definitely be able to dive into that, I'm sure. It's just, like, makes you mad, right? When you're a kid, like, yeah, Lincoln <laughs> Lincoln hated slavery. He wanted to free all the slaves. It's like all these narratives you hear as a kid, and then you grow up, and, like, everything's fucking tainted. <laughs> yeah, well, and then, I mean, even then, you know, we did MLK, and... We gotta go through a lot of the civil rights movement, and it's was pretty eye opening because I didn't learn enough about it in school yeah. to really get a good grasp on it. And so going back and doing that one, I realized like, holy cow, yeah, Lincoln freed the slaves, and it's true that slavery was abolished, but at the same time, it kind of really wasn't. Like they were still doing a lot of yeah. terrible things. Blacks still couldn't vote, even though we had the amendments changed to allow them to do that for a hundred years yeah. on. Like shit still sucked. Yeah, so, and the North wasn't that much, you know, we hear like, it was the North versus the South, and it was about slavery. So you kind of have this idea of like, the North was the good side, and you find out there was still a lot of bad shit happening on yeah. the North side. Just, it was like mostly political, the, you know. The, yeah. So, it's I mean. scary for. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't great when you were seeing that for, uh, you know. Waldman went back and got more political about it. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if he's going to come back and be like, I'm for it. I'm for slavery. Yeah, this is one thing I was worried about because I really don't know that much about his life. But I know in some of his poems, he'll talk about, he'll sort of identify with slaves like I'm equal to them. Mm -hmm. That's cool. But like I said, everything's tainted in some way. So I'm kind of well, worried uh, to see what's going to happen. Hopefully, we don't ruin this for you because I've realized every single people time no, we've done with a person is no matter how cool and awesome the things they've done, there's usually something shitty that's all bad. Done. We're all flawed. Nobody's, yeah, nobody's. We're all flawed in severe ways. <laughs> yeah. I, I will make the stance I think the only person I've done research on that I'm 100% behind is Madame Curie. Madame, yeah, yeah. I don't think she did a shitty thing. Yeah, Mary Curie. And not that she's like a moralistic person. She's just cool. She's badass. She just always does the cool shit. Well, Walt took the stance that you would hope a person at the time does because slavery's yeah, racism is like a whole goddamn thing that's deep inside of us that we're working on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I still hate Michiganites. I don't uh, like juggalos and cowboys. Yes. That type of shit. Uh, we talk shit on Alabama constantly. Yeah. It's an us versus them mentality. Well, he did not believe in slavery because he said that democracy means that if everybody isn't free, then we're not actually a democracy, was yeah. his stance. But he did not want the uh, slaves to have rights. He's still, he's still, he thought they should be free. But he didn't think that they should be able to get paid the same or vote. Yeah, so it's a, it's the time frame. I think this is kind of general. I don't think anybody was really super progressive as you would like to think. I think that's probably the most progressive people were at the time. Like, look, we shouldn't be like owning them and whipping them and shit. But they but they're, they're still lesser than us, right? They're second they're still class. Not, they're still not cool like white people. Yeah, which is I just don't think we should own them. Which is a bummer, of course. But 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's a progressive compromise for the time. Could have been better. Yeah. Could have been straight up better. I think John Brown is the most kick-ass guy from that time. John Brown wanted black people to have their own goddamn government where they killed any white person who disagreed was with them. Was that the guy who was like, it was in... He was friends with Harriet Tubman. Yeah. Tried to take he's, over but he's some slave died. lands. He was a white dude? Yeah. He That's got cool. captured awesome. when he tried to do his... Was yeah, another they, one? they hung him for that. Yeah, he tried to... Uh, He's trying to make a good movement, and uh, but yeah, uh, apparently it's uh, tough to get over those reservations of. But they look different. Yeah, they smell different. Yeah, they're not from here. Yeah, that was a, I that wasn't even me saying that. That was a Walt Women direct quote from YouTube. He says that. <laughs> yeah, his, I remember that's that. His voice. That's in Song of Myself, I think. That's <laughs> 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 weird. They got a recording of it. That's crazy. Well, in the middle of the poem is actually just a URL to a YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And for up until 1998, nobody knew what to do with it. <laughs> it didn't mean anything. What the fuck is this? It's just a string. And of... then somebody put it online. They're like, "This is blue and underlined." What? He's sitting there like, "Hey guys, so I wanted to make this quick video. <laughs> Hit subscribe. Just want to explain myself. Just want to explain why I think black people are lesser. Because yeah, look, fucking terrible, man. We shouldn't own them, but they are weird, right?" <laughs> They it's are different. So like disappointing. I don't just like <laughs> it. Yeah. I mean, I guess different. Like you said, you can't really expect more from the time period, but it's still such such a bummer. Yeah. At least he was also part of the free soil movement, which was in which any new states or territory that America absolves, which like the Louisiana Purchase is coming up and right. shit like that, that there would not be slavery on that soil, uh, which is also what kicked the Civil War into gear. When California became like a thing, and we didn't have slaves over there, and the South was offended by that for some reason. So, yeah, he was not cool with slavery, and I think he was fine with black people. He just didn't want them to vote. Be equal, yeah. Not fully equal. Yeah. So, um, how old is he at this time frame? Was he, were we in his 20s by now? It's 1850s. And he was born in 1919, so he's in his 30s. Okay, so he's in his 30s. 30s, early so had, 30s. Math is hard. Yeah, so he school. hasn't started his, he hasn't started getting known for his poetry yet. <clears throat> no. Well, this is actually about the time, 1855. He's keeping an extensive journal this whole time, which you can find if you want to get that deep into it. Oh, really? And uh, after that talk with Emerson, and he gets that huge erection about the coming poet to define us, Crazy. he actually writes in his journal... I'm going to be that guy. He just sort of decides. That's that. cool. And he, a quote from that in his journal is, Be simple. Be clear. Do not be a cult. Do not dissent among professors and capitalists. Then I am the poet of slaves and the poet of masters of slaves. And I am the poet of the body. And I am... And then the page cuts off. And the next page, he's writing song of myself. Oh, shit. So you can see his whole thought process where he's like, I'm going to be the fucking guy. So wait, did he actually stop mid-thought of him talking about how he's going to be the guy and then went and started writing something else right then? I think that's what people or, are indicating. That'd be badass. I am the... And he's like, I got this whole he's thing He's got a great here. idea. Yeah. It just... That's cool. like, I got to turn the page. I'm going to write a 50-page poem. <laughs> real quick. Just Every, real quick. <laughs> everyone will have to read. <laughs> Their first year of college. Well, so, right. <laughs> and so this is so 1855 July 4th is when he releases July 4th of course was intentional 
Mm-hmm. He's the American poet. The American Damn. bard at last is what he exactly <laughs> called himself. He called himself the American bard. I'm I'm excited for that part. That's cool. That's where he wrote reviews of his own book. Oh he yeah, did? yeah. Because it was oh, yeah, in that's... the newspaper or why? I just did it. He wanted people to read it. That's smart. He's like, well, no one else is reviewing it. I got <laughs> Well, so what I read is we that... We should review a People Time podcast. That's what we... <laughs> like, make fake profiles. It's like, this is the greatest is goddamn the thing ever. <laughs> well, I mean, we've already got about, what, 20,000 listeners now? But still. At least. Yeah. They're all Hanks. <laughs> um, yeah, he uh, actually thought that Leaves of Grass, which is his book would inspire people so much that they would tell everybody about it and that he would be able to walk outside and the guy running the local carriage would be holding a copy of Leaves of Grass and the local workers would be carrying... He actually thought that this would inspire a whole American Bible feeling. And when that didn't happen, and he actually got only a couple of reviews that were bad, he started writing reviews anonymously about... It's not that bad, guys. <laughs> I mean, he That's talked it up. Awesome. He talked like, it up this crazy. Is the American Bard at last. That's well, he cool so in American one of these reviews, bard. he actually called himself uh, Walt Woman is an American, one of the roughs and one of the cosmos of disorderliness and fleshiness and sensual eating and drinking and breeding. He's talking about himself, but it's anonymously. It's he's awesome. an, he's an yeah. insane person. No, That's I awesome, love though. it. Yeah, like what guts to just be like, dude, I fucking rock. You know who's awesome? me <laughs> motherfucker it's cool well the intro to the first version of leaves of grass is um oh, long it's as so fuck. long i i yeah i read all through it last night and i grabbed this quick quote just to give you an idea of where his head is at so other states indicate themselves in their deputies uh but the genius of the united states is not best or most in its executives or legislatures, nor in its ambassadors or authors or colleges or churches or parlors, parlors, or even its newspapers and inventors, but always most in the common people, their manners of speech, dress, friendships, the freshness and candor of their uh, physiognomy, uh, the picturesque looseness of their carriage, their deathless attachment to freedom, their aversion to anything indecorous or soft or mean, the practical acknowledgement of the citizens by one state by the citizens of all other states, uh, the fierceness of their roused resentment, their curiosity and welcome of the novel, uh, their self-esteem, wonderful sympathy, their susceptibility to a slight, the air that they have of persons who never knew how it felt to stand in the presence of superiors, which is a badass thing to say. Yeah. The fluency of their speech, their delight in music, the sure symptom of manly tenderness and native elegance of soul. These two are all unrhymed poetry. It awaits the gigantic and generous treatment worthy of it. So, that's cool. awesome. He has a huge <laughs> heart on for just what America is, the experiment of it. Yeah. And to the point where he just writes endlessly poems about, this is fucking awesome, guys. You guys really, yeah. this is fucking awesome, right? <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong? It's fucking awesome. I don't know why, but I also like one of the lines that you said there, like, just because it's kind of a funny thought of 
he says uh how vulnerable uh, that might not be the right word but how vulnerable people are to take a slight like how yeah. how easily they're offended essentially how quickly they're <laughs> how american is that american. <laughs> <laughs> like because he says how easy you are to slight but then never feel the sense of being in a superior like yeah. that's very you'll fucking tell me what to do <laughs> i don't fucking like it it's my country <laughs> ah yeah what's more american yeah. than that if you don't like it you can get out get the Fuck out. No, they can't come in here because if they're coming in here, they should go back and fix their country. I don't know how you get those and two thoughts like, in the same. Wait, what just happened? The same person. Did you? Did your brain just make that happen? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, um. Well, Song of Myself, Volume One, includes such hits as "I Celebrate Myself," and "I Know the Spirit of God is the Eldest Brother of My Own." He also has a cool poem called "Washes and Razors and Fufus." Don't I don't know what that one's about. I don't think that's in the original. Are any of these real? Oh, there's also uh, I fucked the DJ. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I know that one. So order now, right now to get uh, volume one of Leaves of Grass. Just call calls at one eight hundred people people time. Mm. Uh, so a dollar a dollar a month. Yeah, (laughs) for the rest of your life. For all the hits, you know cancellations. If you ever stop paying, break your kneecaps. We'll find you. <laughs> what are uh, do, do you have any favorites of his that are early on? His hey, early get, on get writings. Give us an idea here, uh, or just, in general, I guess. But just song of myself, man. Uh, yeah, the so- original "Leaves of Grass" had fourteen poems in it, and they were all called "Leaves of Grass." Were they really? Yeah. So they didn't have they titles. All, that was "Leaves of Grass" is the heading of all of them. So how do you know <laughs> which one to like? If you're having a discussion with another poet nerd, and you guys are like. Dude. Oh, I like Leaves of Grass. And yeah, I was, I was like, me too. Oh, me too, dude. Is that the one with the the leaves mm-hmm. and the... Uh-huh. Wait, which one? The one that says on the title, Leaves of Grass at the top? Yeah. Oh, I love that one. So why did he do that? Is there any reason? He just well, it from his when book. he published the book, his name wasn't even on it. He Like, when you opened it up, got a copy of it. There's just that picture of him. That's him? Yeah. Oh, so he... That's like 35-year-old... That's Wait. funny, dude. And it's a pretty famous picture. So he has some facial hair and a big silly hat. Yeah. And a lot of people say that his overt sexuality, because he's sort of jutting his hips out. He does, kind of. His, his uh, button-up is d- undone at the top. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, awesome. I think for 1855, that is about as sexy as it gets. <laughs> it's fucking sexy. Does he got a little bit of hair, chest hair coming yeah, out? Yeah, he does. He got a little V of chest hair popping out the top. <laughs> Is that what that is? Yeah. What's better than that? It's awesome. I'm fucking hard as hell. So, yeah. so he didn't put his name on it. Was that on purpose? Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have his name on it. He just had this picture. I think that was just. He's like, this says it all, really. It was just his way of saying, <laughs> this like, says it all. like I'm no better. Like we're the same. Oh, that's we're cool. all Americans. This is your book as much as it is my book. Damn. I think that's yeah the best way to say it. Where he, the American spirit is what Leaves of Grass is. It's not a book. There's not an author; it's a spirit. Yeah. So, do you have a favorite of of all the leaves of grass? Um, and yeah, I mean, in the in the deathbed edition, the super long one, there are a lot of amazing ones. Uh, any any love, that were inspiring uh, to you for any reason other than even if it was just for your own poetry writing or just in general? Is there anything that what well, what got you? Since we brought you on as a guest for Walt Whitman, let's let's bug you poetry. Yeah, I was gonna say what. What was it that you liked about Walt Whitman, his style? Because uh, I've only read a little bit about him, so I don't really know a whole lot of his style other than eh, a couple poems I've read, yeah. uh, read of his. Well, I was, you know, assigned to read him 
originally. <laughs> is that the first time you ever <laughs> heard little, Walt Women as you got signed it? A little but I, tedious. I had a professor though when when my like my first semester in college that just loved Whitman. Just like fucking loved him. He carries the original eighteen fifty five he like carries with him everywhere he goes and it's all worn and tattered. So that was interesting, like what is so cool about this book? Yeah. Yeah. And that was when I was like starting to get into poetry. Can you give us an idea of because what really stands about <clears throat> Leaves of Grass coming out and why it's like revolutionary is its lack of any formality. Meter and yeah, what? G- give us a sense of that. Yeah, he's not a rhymer, right? He doesn't do the whole rhyming? No, he doesn't rhyme. He doesn't have any meter. Yeah. He wasn't writing any iambic pentameter like everybody else. Like a Which is bag. weird because you, I've heard people talk about Poe. And when they talk about Poe, there's like even like theories that he purposely did like a whole bunch of weird stuff with his metering. Yeah. Oh yeah. To the point where like he denies it. Like I guess at one point being like, oh no, I I just wrote it out. And people have like dissected it so much. Like there's no way you could accidentally like just free form yeah. writing get this kind of. You got to uh, work on meter. So he was purposely doing it. But he um, with Walt Whitman, he wasn't doing anything like that. He wasn't trying to follow any. Yeah, he wasn't of. trying to follow any meter. He didn't write sonnets he did but there's not any not in leaves of grass he he abandoned the meter because for him it was like this america thing is like this whole new amazing project it needs its own poetry that's cool i'm gonna abandon the old ways of writing poetry i'm gonna stop fucking writing iambic pentameter and rhyming all the time so people say that he's like one of the fathers of like free verse He's definitely not the first person who ever wrote free verse. Free verse. Right. He's, he was not the inventor of it. And Did he popularize free verse, it? Huh? Did he popularize it, popularize it, though? I mean, kind of. But the thing is, like, almost nobody after him wrote like him. Really? That's like, weird. People will say that he's, like, one of the fathers of free verse. But if you look at free verse now, there's almost no trace of Whitman in it. I think he... Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I say a lot of free verse now that I've seen is more like conversational yeah. in general, but his is hyper fucking. Yeah, that's the thing. Like nobody, he was very like ecstatic. Yeah, everything is awesome. Everything's fucking awesome. Everything is awesome. Yeah, but he was very inspired by the Bible, like the well. the, the long Bible verses. Oh yeah, and that was the line he was trying to copy. Is I want to write these really long run on sentences. These really long verses. What is so, your style when you when you write your poetry? Do you have a, a specific one, or do you bounce around in different styles? Or I try to do everything. You know, as a creative writing major, you're kind of forced to try everything. Yeah, but I yeah. like. I'm very into like Japanese haiku and haiku manga. Is that the Americanized haiku or like the haiku haiku? Like, I mean, it's like a hybrid. Yeah, but I do try and write in every style. But That's yeah, cool. yeah, Whitman was. Very influenced by the Bible verses, and he wanted to make a poetry that was very, very new American. So he wrote these really long lines like the Bible because it had this ecstatic feeling. What's so funny about that is, like, everything we talked about him up to this point, he doesn't seem like a dumb guy, but he seems like an odd guy. Yeah. But how he fell on the idea of, like, I should do something brand spanking new, because that's what America is. Yeah, And he just fucking invented it. Just because he was like, eh, that's different. Should do it. And, it. and it fucking stuck. Well, it took a long time to stick, but eventually. It took a long time. And most people were like, this isn't poetry. You know, like when it came out, people 
berated him because they're like, this is vulgar. Oh, God. The this critics is... tore him apart. Where's the meter? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, where's the meter? There's, this is not poetry. There's no rhyming. It's too loose. It's too, like... Yeah. Well, it's it funny is... that you were saying that he was hoping to have people come out and, like, carrying his book yeah. around and stuff. Yeah. Well, here we are 200 years later, and you were just telling me your professor was carrying the book around. Yeah. He's I mean, it happened. He's today. It took a long time, but it happened. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. A lot of people, I mean, you know, a regular construction site worker does not have a copy of Lisa Grass in his back pocket, that's but very, there's some, probably, that's do. There's very someone. judgmental. Well, to give you a sense of Lisa Grass, Volume A, like, first fucking 1855 edition, this is how it opens after his god-fucking-long intro, <laughs> is, I celebrate myself, and what I assume, you shall assume, for every atom belonging to me, as good belongs to you. I loaf and invite my soul. I lean and loaf at my ease, observing a spear of summer grass. Mm. Yeah, that was definitely not like anything that came before. That's <laughs> like that elevated, I'm going to uplift and celebrate everyone and everything. That, Like me and you and everyone and grass and sunshine and goddamn stoked. everything. That's he's cool. Just stoked, man. He really just seems like a, do- a dude. He sounds happier in that couple of lines than... Well, and he just seems like he did a serious rail of cocaine. He's just like, "Fuck! Oh, I fucking me, celebrate!" You, and these strippers and the all oh, the roads and they smell yeah. weird and it's fucking great. I love darkness and the sunshine yeah. and the grass. And we got any more coke? <laughs> but he was just high on life, huh? He was high on yeah, life. He's high on America, man. He's true. He's high on democracy and it's pretty inspirational, because well, it's there aren't any drugs or weirdness in this story. He literally was just like this is he's fucking just cool. stoked on everything. That's badass. But yeah, it's just interesting that he's seen as like one of the fathers of American poetry, and yet nothing we write nowadays even resembles. Uh-uh. Why like, is that the case? You think? Well, ecstatic, like everything's awesome. Nobody wants to read it. You know, I guess mm-hmm. it's not We're very all a little cynical after existentialism. Yeah, uh, maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it, it's cool that it's that way. Like he was the first breakout American poet who was doing something new and awesome, and yet nobody else has ever been able. To, nobody's really tried. Well, I'm sure people have tried, but nobody, you know, the, the critics succeeded. aren't for it. People aren't buying it. No. I mean, there's there's definitely a big movement with like with like the whole mindfulness. Like people will read Rumi and stuff, but yeah. it's still nothing like Whitman. Hmm. All right. There ain't nobody like him, yeah. and I and I couldn't find anything in my research, but I have I had a suspicion that maybe that's how a lot of people were feeling at the time. Like, this is fucking cool what we're doing, or if that was just a thought he had, but it didn't super resonate right away. But later on, like especially yeah. after the Civil War, people were like, yeah, yeah. But the good thing is, when the first edition of Leaves of Grass came out, Emerson was all about it. Oh, was he? Oh, and he like it. Emerson was like head honcho in american literature at the time and he loved it he sent Mm -hmm. he wrote a letter to whitman basically saying like this is by far the best work of literature america has yet contributed was he trying to tell everybody like go get this i don't know i'm sure he was in his way but yeah but whitman published emerson's letter or at least parts of it and Emerson wasn't happy about that because he no, did it without his permission. Oh, he, bummer. Well, what, <laughs> what happened was Emerson read Lisa Grass and he, he fucking loved it. He called it a mix of the Bhagavad Gita and the New York Tribune, which is kind of a fun way to describe it. <laughs> Very weird. <laughs> and then he wrote Whitman a, a long uh, praising letter that part of it is, I greet you at the beginning of a great career, which 
uh, yet must have a long foreground somewhere. Because Emerson was like, this is some deep and really thought out concepts. Wh- where did you come from? I haven't seen this yeah. buildup. And that's because there isn't a buildup, which is interesting. But then he also called Lisa Grass uh, courageous as a sunbeam. And Walt was so psyched that he got a letter from his hero and the guy who got him inspired to be yeah. a poet that he decided, I'm going to release Lisa Grass Volume 2. Yeah, I'm going to make a couple editorial corrections. I'm going to give some titles and like a, a table of contents. Add and some. I, and I'm putting Emerson's letter in yeah. there. And he didn't ask Emerson's why didn't permission. He, one, why didn't he ask? That's weird. I don't know. Maybe, I think he might have. Maybe he thought well, it was implicit. Uh, probably was a couple okay. reasons. Like one, he thought Emerson might have said no. <laughs> two, <laughs> that's actually, I think he probably would have said no. Yeah, I, he definitely would have. Yeah. And two, Whitman was just... He's just had that like arrogance about him. Like I, I can do what I'm I want. Like, do I, it. I'm American. I do what the fuck I want. <laughs> I don't think it was a, in his mind a question of should I sh- or shouldn't I do this. It was just I'm gonna. Well, I think his question was, doing. "Will this promote me?" Yeah. Will this promote uh, the book? Yes. And so Emerson was upset about it. Emerson is a very polite guy, but he did make his feelings about being pretty upset about what it. What did he say? He, he said it was wrong. He said, like, that was very wrong indeed. He said, you need to at least ask my, my permission. Yeah. And he didn't say that he wouldn't have given it, but the 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 anger that he expressed in his letters, yeah, he was pretty pissed off. So did, did Walt respond at all back to that or apologize or anything? As far as I don't know. I think maybe he probably wrote back, like, He's hey, like buy volume hmm, two. I've got ten more <laughs> book sales, bro. Hey, <laughs> buy volume two. Buy my, new, buy my new album. It was just an advertisement that came back. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, what's funny is what he first did he was publishes make that copies. one too. <laughs> did his next volume. <laughs> <laughs> he he took copies of this Emerson letter and made a bunch of copies of them and shoved them in volume one of Lisa Grass <laughs> and then just put them in bookstores. <laughs> and then he took like an official version and made a, a volume, volume two, two of Lisa Grass, no. which had just the same poems, but a few editorial changes. Yeah. yeah. He gave them their own titles. I In think he put his name on it. 1856. Stuff like that. And yeah. some prominent literary yeah. types reach out to him at this time. He met uh, Longfellow and Carlyle. I don't know any of these people. And Alcott and Thoreau. Oh, okay. Or Thoreau. 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 And this is actually a pretty fun story from his biography. Alcott and Thoreau were curious about this creature that just fucking came out of nowhere that Emerson knows. So they go into Manhattan to meet him. And at this time, he's living in a house with his mom and some of his siblings, mostly Eddie. He lives in an upstairs apartment in a house he's uh, mortgaging for his mother with Eddie. So he lives in the same bedroom as his um, uh, mentally disabled brother. And so Thoreau... Do you know anything about Henry David Thoreau? Uh, Very, very little. So... Thoreau wrote Walden, and this is where Thoreau went and stayed on a plot of land owned by Emerson on the the shore of the Walden Lake. And he built himself a cabin, made himself a farm, or like a little garden, and just lived there for two years by himself. And wrote a whole book about it. It's all about independence and figuring yourself out. And there's a lot of shit in there about gardening. <laughs> I, nature, like the transcendence. A lot experience of experience in nature. Yeah. So a lot of people, when they talk about transcendentalism and the American literary identity, they're going to talk about women and they're going to talk about Thoreau. So there was a lot of sense at the time that Thoreau and Whitman would have a lot in common and get along. So they go to his mom's house and his mom is making biscuits. And Alcott said that Thoreau 
stole four or five biscuits <laughs> and put them in his pocket. Really? So that's part of that independence, bro. man, is you got to just grab it when you see it and then you take it back to that's your farm. That's nature, I guess. <laughs> and so they go upstairs and Thoreau said that Whitman had a poster. I don't It's not a poster, I guess. They don't have posters yet, but uh, he had pictures. Like a, he had a Justin Bieber <laughs> poster up there. And Thoreau got mad and left. Rush and sticks. And he's like, you suck, dude. That's fucking lame. That was, well, I love those bands. He did have pictures of uh, Hercules, uh, Bacchus, and a satyr. And Thoreau asked him why those three specific. And what Whitman, who, according to Alcott's recollection, was lounging on a couch <laughs> with his feet up. And he was like, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and they just... Uh, They're like, fuck this guy. Okay. Oh, man, at You're one point, when he, when he told me what three pictures he had up... Yeah, I was like, I wonder what they are, and when you told or when you told me what they were, I was like, I wonder why those three. And then you started to say that's what that guy asked. I was like, Oh, thank God, I'm gonna find out. Yeah. And then when you said what the answer was, I was like, Fuck, I don't know anything. Though. Fuck, I still yeah. Well, you got Hercules, right? Son of Zeus, strong Bacchus is a, is a god of wine, okay. and then a satyr is like a a party animal kind of little creature. Okay, so that's how that's, that's how, him. Because Walt was just like, That's me, bro. That's like when you go. To your, you know, your douchey friend's house in junior high, and he's got a poster of like, I don't know, Creed and Godsmack <laughs> yeah. and Metallica, and you're like, "Was that? Was me, bro? That's me. That's me, bro. I'm huh? partially religious. All Godsmack. <laughs> All Godsmack. <laughs> well, and everybody anticipated this meeting to go super well because, yeah, Thoreau and Whitman. There was a lot of uh, intersecting ideology, but Alcott actually exclaimed it or described it as. Two curious animals treating each other with uh, distance, where he was like, I wasn't sure if they were going to snap or run at each other. And That's they, weird. They just didn't. They they just kind of looked at each other like, what are you? Sniffing a little bit. What are you? Don't hmm. people say Thoreau was kind of turf. uptight and unpleasant? Oh, actually, Thoreau didn't like Lisa Grass at all. <laughs> he, didn't. he didn't. So Thoreau had no love for democracy, politics, sexuality at all. What was his, uh, like, besides him talking about his individuality or yeah. his, what, did he write anything that was really popular? Walden. Anything else? Mm, yeah, civil he wrote disobedience. Civil Disobedience, yeah. Oh, really? He wrote... Civil Disobedience, like, inspired Gandhi, who inspired... I was about to say, so Civil Disobedience started, was it started there? Yeah, I mean, so Thoreau got arrested for not paying taxes because he didn't believe in where the taxes money was going. Wow. So in jail, he wrote a whole thing about how... You shouldn't have to do what you don't feel is morally correct ever. Ever. And that inspired a lot of shit. Gandhi and then MLK. Yeah. And so that was pretty so important. But he did not like the sexy sauce that Walt was all about. And when he saw... And Walt's like, like, like I want to do what I feel like is morally correct, actually. <laughs> what yeah. I feel like doing is being sexy. Which it was so tame by our standards. Like, yeah. There are no direct references to sex in Leaves of Grass. There's like... I think I smirked. Subtle hints or maybe metaphorical things or I don't know. Yeah. But there's no direct. Yeah. It's not like how we talk today even. Yeah. But yeah, no. it was definitely still seen as vulgar. <laughs> That's funny. Actually, there yeah, there were some places that uh, would ban the selling or printing of Lisa Grass. Cause it <laughs> I'm was trying to imagine. Porn- it was pornographic. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine this. Like the rose rose up very straight uh, and stiff. Yeah. Moist <sighs> petals. Yeah, tell me about the petals. <laughs> but even less than that, I can't even like. Because I'm not a poet, obviously. But yeah, moist petals. Tell me about the petals. 
Yeah. And then on People Time podcast, we're over here like, fuck! <laughs> I got a boner! Well, nobody's, nobody gives a shit to censor us, but, you know. Yeah. I, you know, Will and Grace is on TV. That's some salacious shit. You know she's gay. He's gay. They're all gay. I've never Actually, seen the show, but that seems fine. Well, anyway, uh, Walt starts to get some cred in the underground. What? People are like, hey, you're that fucking guy. And he starts hanging out at this bar called Faths, um, which is sort of like um, Greenwich Village later on, where it's like artists and outsiders and criminals and weirdos and gays. It's the hip place to be. It is. Yeah, where everybody knows Ted Danson <laughs> and Walt Whitman. Yeah. And he walks in and everybody goes, hey, Walt! Hey, guys. And he gets sits down and he talks about how much he hates his wife. The same chair he always sits in. It's Walt, Walt's not married at this point. He never gets married. He never gets married. Actually, next to my notes, at FAFS, he met a gentleman named Fred Vaughn, who's 15 years his senior, and they prob- probably had guy-on-guy intercourse. It's presumed that they probably had a relationship. You know, nobody took pictures, but... Yeah. Whitman's whole, like, sexual life is all presumed, I think. Very gray. I was going to say, there, there's one other thing I knew about Walt that I didn't bring up mm-hmm. earlier, because I figured it was going to come up, and I don't still... Because uh, he wrote a poem that clearly was about a girl, that it was published, but apparently later on in his life, when they went back and found some of his other writings... They found like the exact same poem, however, it was changed from a she to a he, you're, and it was earlier. So you're correct. Ch- yeah. Yeah. So he changed it when he published it, so that way people would, you know, be accepting of it. I'm sure it wasn't very. I believe I wrote the name of that poem down in my notes. Um, possibly. So if I do, then we'll just keep this part. Awesome. If not, we'll cut it out. Cool. Because I know what you're talking about. That yeah. did happen. It's part of his Calamus series, which is coming up. Was there anything that had to do with this specific person? Do you know? Uh, they don't know. I mean, the that poem was written for a dude. Yeah. He's talking about, like, me and him and I and him. And then later he released it as a her or an it and sort of made it more of a metaphor of, like, I'm in love with life. Yeah. But it, he wrote a lot of poems that seemed like he was talking about fucking a dude and loving fucking a dude and then would twist it to it sounded like... No, I'm fucking with life, bro. I'm fucking yeah. with. I'm fucking democracy. Well, I'm life just is giving a giving it to obviously, democracy. Right? Democracy's like go deeper. <laughs> Lick my democracy. I love it too. If you like explain this, and then they found one of them. He's like, whatever the guy's name is, he's, he's right now. He's like, and he screamed out, "My name is Ron. I'm totally not democracy." And he's like, "Dude, this is totally about democracy. Try to explain it's not about democracy. Uh, you don't get it, do you? Come on. <laughs> well, uh, he sort of faffed around at faffs. And in life in general, because Leaves of Grass is not doing great. He's still writing anonymous reviews. People don't give a shit. He writes uh, something called the American Primer, which is just like a breakdown of uh, American English. And he sort of celebrates American English. He says the Negroid dialect is specifically American. That's cool. Um, He also writes a series for the New York Atlas about, well, it's actually called Manly Health and Training. Manly health and training. <laughs> he has like a, a weekly series about how to be manly. You know, it's it's hard for me to like really <laughs> picture. So, you know, I think of poetry and I think of like more intellectual and more, mm, not this, what I'm doing right now. They can speak very well and they, yeah, they yeah. use the right words. It just sounds super sexy and stuff, right? Yeah. But it's so funny because Walt Whitman has this arrogant kind of uh, personality a little bit, it sounds like. Say whatever the fuck he To wants. the point where it's like, Kind of the mixture of 
you know, that kid at school who was, you know, arrogant. I don't know. The, the guy was kind of hey. like, yeah, you, mixed with someone <laughs> smart. <laughs> That's what I was trying to get at, but not so, you, obviously. I was going to say somebody who, no, you know. Me with some smarts. Arrogant and yet also can I mean, phrase things really pretty yeah. and stuff. He could speak very well. Like a gym rat, but also like can also serenade you with his own dudes. He's fucking all the dudes. Not that I'm trying to like, you know, make judgment styles, but most people I know that go like, you know, people who are like I'm that I'm that cool guy, I'm cool, listen how cool I think I am. They're usually not really fun to listen to. <laughs> no, he was a unique motherfucker. That's cool. Yeah, he one of these one of the pieces for this series is actually called uh The Magnetic Attraction from Health and a Manly Physique. Can it be attained by training? <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote a whole thing about Can it? <laughs> what was proper, his conclusion? The whole thing was just can it? <laughs> but can it? Can it? What even is physique? What is? manly training and here's my phone number <laughs> are you a good looking twink <laughs> that's awesome I'm a big bear um yeah and that was a lot of like unfortunately the stuff you would think like working out and eating right douchebaggy stuff yeah no I'm sure that's good stuff I don't do any of that stuff so I don't know. I have any idea what any of that means well in 1860 he releases edition 3 this is the one we were talking about before with uh, the Calamus series, um, in which he is trying to uh, he's trying to find a language for manly love and comradeship and the heart of democracy. Where do I fit into that? A lot of people think Calamus is really just a homosexual credo, uh, but a lot of people see it as a metaphor for no, no, no. I love America, so I want to I want to put my balls deep into America, but I'd like to hear our... Yeah, let's turn to the resident poet here. Uh, uh. Give me some gay yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. I was right then. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Which one were you saying? I imagine you were saying yeah to just both. I right? think it's... Or, yeah, I think it's... Whatever you his want His experience to be. was some sort of erotic, but also mixed in with his just being stoked on America. But yeah, of course, he can't just say that. Yeah. He would be... Be killed maybe at the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd be killed in the 1980s at the time. So maybe even now. Yeah, I, also I also don't think it was like fake though. Like I gotta conceal this. I think he really felt it. Mm -hmm. All of what he, you know, mixing felt like hyper democracy well, like a, yeah. and loving a guy's balls. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, I don't think he really was censoring himself because. He wanted to conceal, like, the truth of it. I think it was more just, I love all of these things, and this one also won't get me killed, or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, well, that's kind of cool either way, because yeah, sounds like the guy was just happy about America, man. And that's then... fucking sight. Happy about other stuff, too, and let's write about all the stuff that makes me happy. I mean, that's what I fucking love about it, is here is the American poet who is fucking jazzed about everything about america democracy and baseball and all that shit and then dude's dicks yeah like the guy is gay yeah and we still give the we still give gay people shit like we still haven't figured that out the american bard yeah put balls in his mouth can't we just admit that he might have can't we talk about that he might have been bi we don't well nobody I... knows but i think the point was like the freedom of it like be yourself you know, be whatever yeah i think that's the the main point of it is don't 
be prohibitive and restrictive. Well, and that's that's how his homosexual uh, stuff in his poetry was interpreted until pretty recently. Yeah, for sure. That it was a more of a metaphor. Really? Yeah. That it was like a metaphor for overt freedom or like maybe America is a masculine thing and he's fucking with it, but I don't know. Nowadays it's more like, no, yeah, he's fucking guys. Yeah. Huh? This is awesome. Either sounds pretty good. Who doesn't want to fuck a guy? <laughs> um, well, volume three, like I said, uh, has such hits as Calamus and a poem called I Proceed for All Who Are or Have Been Young Men. He also has some uh, a poem called uh, Manhattan and also has one called Lipstick Flavored Cherries. Really? No, but call now. 1-800-PEOPLE-TIME. $1 a month. For the rest of your life. It's only $1 a month. What's the big deal? What's that, $12 a year? How many years do you think you're going to live? Not that long. You're yeah, perfect. <laughs> so, it's like $24. If you're listening to people time, you got some other problems. You're not going to live that long. That's bad news for you. <laughs> Whatever. You're Just lear- send it to us, though. We need it. <laughs> Get volume three. It's got some gay stuff. Are you into gay stuff? Who's not? Yeah. I'm going to get volume three. Well, uh, yeah. Can I pay a dollar a month and get that, too? I guess. I don't know if it really counts. Well, the administrative part of the financial part of people time works. <laughs> I don't run the numbers. Nobody does. Does anyone There's run the no, numbers? There's no numbers. <laughs> We're going to have to ask your wife. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> Can you do our math? <laughs> I want to be part of it. I want a dollar. I'll pay it. Um, well, in his notes, there is a rough version of 12 poems that he, t- he titled live oak with moss and live oak with moss was actually designed to be a 12 poem singular book by itself it is exclusively man on man loving is it really yeah there is a lot of stuff about wanting a guy to lick his chest and i know that sounds like something i make up but that's true yeah. and yeah, that's what i'm to tell with you yeah sometimes it is <laughs> but what he ultimately did was took the 12 poems from live oak with moss and put them in sequentially and just put him in between other poems become calamus because it seems like he was super worried that if he released live oak with moss and be like oh you're a gay guy i could kill him so he released it as part of calamus and then everyone was like oh it's a metaphor mm. my, yeah that that's my interpretation and sort of the modern take is that he's a gay guy he wanted to be out couldn't be out kind of afraid so he released it as a metaphor mm. this is america this is the beautiful goddamn Ameri- well, it's not beautiful. He should have been able to come out or anything. But, right. Yeah. But that's... He seems stoked about it. Well, and mm. even with that, the metaphor and whatnot, uh, Volume 3 is banned a, a lot of places. It is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For overt sexuality. Like in the U.S. or in the world? Or what oh, you yeah. In Boston, specifically. Boston has banned it? Yeah. And Why? Even Emerson reached out to him and said... I am tied to your shit now because you put my letter <laughs> in your book. <laughs> and Emerson said, I need you to cut out the sexy stuff if I'm going to be tied to it because I'm, I'm not into that. And in response to that, he released in volume four more sexy stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was like, eh, maybe fuck you. Yeah. yeah. You're in it now. I mean, forcibly, unfortunately, but you're in it. Yeah. I mean, he even writes, there's a poem in, uh, volume four called spontaneous me uh, which you could look up if you want the end of it 
maybe we'll just read the end. The end of it, I'm 100%. He is talking about jerking off into a towel and throwing the towel on the floor. <laughs> is that really what? That's There's it. no way that could be. I want to hear it. Tell, it's called Spontaneous uh, Me. <laughs> sure, find it. Yeah, there's some sort of, there's going to be some sort of weird beauty. It's exactly what it is, but it's like so prettily said. Oh. <sighs> In such a pretty way. The cum towel. And I'm really inspired to go vote. It's <laughs> pretty spontaneous. <laughs> There's beauty in spontaneous. I just want to see how far back we need to go to get to the good stuff. <laughs> to get to the good stuff. <laughs> this is some good stuff. Yeah? I mean, while women, I expect that it's going to be of things, so... <laughs> you might have to read the end of this to me. Uh, Let's see how far... Oh, you got spontaneous me? Yeah. Oh, he's got it up. This is a, it's kind of a long poem. It starts here, goes all the way to there, but... Huh? That's not too bad. It's up to you. Uh, if it, He was saying at the end, if you can summarize that part up or, or say that part, or if you want to just the whole thing, either way it's fine. Yeah, let's go back to... Yeah, you, you can see <clears throat> it's spontaneous me, especially, like why people at the time thought this was terribly vulgar. Just some portions of it. Sweet. The young man that wakes deep at night, the hot hand seeking to repress what would master him. The mystic amorous night, the strange half-welcome pangs, visions, sweats, the pulse pounding through palms and trembling and circling fingers, the young man all colored, red, ashamed, angry, the spouse upon me of my lover, the sea, as I lie willing and naked. And if we skip down a little more, at the end, let's see. The oath of procreation I have sworn, my Adamic and fresh daughters, the greed that eats me day and night with hungry gnaw till I saturate what shall produce boys to fill my place when I am through, the wholesome relief, repose, content, and this bunch plucked at random from myself, it has done its work. I toss it carelessly to fall where it moves. <laughs> Dude, though, at the same time, it's still, he still writes cleverly. Like, it's, it's still like... It's very clever. I mean, it's still, if you just came across this poem reading this book, you'd be like, yeah, like this is good. This is, it's beautiful. This is Carous- but come on. like That's the thing, He though. says, what would procreate boys? I I throw to the ground needlessly. I, I like it. That's this is one brilliant. thing that's great about Whitman, though. It's like, this is art, man. This is... I think I need to read me some more Whitman. I didn't realize I didn't realize how rad this guy was. So if your wife catches you jerking off, you're like, "This is art." Yeah. Hey, it's Whitman. I'm Whitman. All right. I'm Walt Whitmaning myself. I'm doing a good clean Walt. That's the Walt Whitman. Is when you do it into a a piece of cloth and throw it carelessly to the ground. But you have to consider it as this is the procreation of boys <laughs> that I toss to the floor. Well, it's, that's the kind of part that's like it's interesting too is because it still sounds like there's obviously like shame in it. He talks about being embarrassed and read about it. and Yeah, he does say the hand searching and then anger. Yeah. There's a lot of exegesis here that we can well, probably I mean, break down on this. I'm pretty sure masturbation. <laughs> I mean, at one point in the dictionary, like masturbation said it caused insanity and like people treated it really, you know, it, it was a religion does weird stuff, man. Fucking a. So I'm pretty sure the time frame, yeah, is probably considered to be a sin or bad to do. Yeah, I'm sure it was taught that to anyone who was, you know, most people. But he is talking about it openly and publishing it and being like, no, this is cool. It's fine. Touch yeah. yourself. I think that's good. Like, yeah, you know, normalizing. Oh Jesus! Normal very stuff. natural, normal. How long have we as have a country been working on like it's okay to touch yourself? <laughs> well, and even like the even 
if you read it as like being homoerotic, like who fucking cares, yeah. man? That's just normal. People Let do, it just people do. Who gives a shit? Yeah, two dudes. It's a beautiful thing. It's Except America, man. We two do. guys jerking each other off at a train station. That's America. Except for his partner was like, "You're gonna pick that up later, though, right?" <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's fine now. I, I don't mind. I, you know, it's just weird that you started writing down something right after you did that. I am psyched though. The American Bard is a yeah aggressively homosexual. Yeah. I wish that more people could absorb that fact. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Because he was also into it's like baseball and shit. It's like part of the whole, this brand new America thing. We need a new sexuality. Just everything needs to be new and we should have all been improved gay. and re- brought out of the repression of, you know. Yeah, fucking past. A. Well, uh, around this time, uh, a gentleman named uh, Abraham Lincoln is elected to president. Who's that? I'm not sure who Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. is. I think he's related to Abraham from think, the Bible. Yeah, he wrote poetry. I think. Oh. That, yeah, he was a poet. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think I saw him at Disneyland once. Lincoln? Mm. I think, is that something with Link, like, uh, Lincoln Park? Or? Yeah, that, it's, yeah. Is that it? It's the crawling in my skin guy. Oh, the mm. hybrid theory guy That's, yeah. from the Bible. So the hybrid theory guy from the Bible <laughs> got elected president. And Walt, fuck, he, I mean, he, he starts writing, Oh, Captain, My Captain. Oh, yeah. which is one of his more famous poems uh, uh, it, about Lincoln. He fucking loves Lincoln. Wait a second. Oh, Captain, my Captain, that was written by Walt Whitman. Is that the same one that's being used in the movie with uh, Robin Williams where they stand up on yeah. the desk? Yeah, and say, Dead oh, Poets Captain Society. That, yeah, the Dead Poets Society. So they're they're talking about Walt Whitman. Yeah. And I've seen it. I didn't know Walt Whitman wrote yeah. that. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Uh, not that I read the whole entire thing, unfortunately. had that reference yeah. to the movie. You are Miss Doubtfire. That's a direct quote from the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hello! How did Walt Women know Remember he was going to be Mrs. Delphi? That's crazy. <laughs> that was... Hot Jemaliah! <laughs> Hello! Hello! <laughs> Two drops for you, dear? I can't do that. I can't do that. That's <laughs> tough. I'm a raptor doing what I can. <laughs> That's trying to stay alive to the emergence of man. I'm so glad you actually know that. Seen Miss Doubtfire about a thousand times. <laughs> Love that movie. Well, yeah, that's that's oh, Captain, my captain. And in 1861, Fort Sumpner happens. So we're at war now, uh, the Civil War. And he's 42, and he kind of talked about wanting to sign up, but he's 42. He's a little too old. So he kind of lo- loafs around for a year, trying to figure out like where do I fit into this war? Hmm. And he actually, his brother George, George Washington, joins. The Union, uh, sorry, the Union, the five, what am I writing down here? No idea what I tried to write down here. Hmm. What's it say? Read what it says. It says, Union, the 5-1-T New York. Mm -hmm. Anybody? Union, the 5-1-T New York. Anyway, George goes to fight. (laughs) 51st? God, I was super drunk when I wrote this down. I'm going to tell you what this guy says. This says, Brother George is fighting. Union the 51T New York, December, <laughs> December 1962. <laughs> 51st Infantry? I don't know. I think it is 51st Infantry. But 1962. But in 1962. <laughs> well, what did happen was Walt Whitman saw George's name listed in uh, a list of casualties for the war. Oh, yeah. And casualty means out of service. So you're dead or injured. Um, and it doesn't say. It just says why would they George not? Washington Whitman in, uh, in on the casualty list. Yeah. So Walt kind of freaks out, 
runs down to Washington, the front line. And in Fredericksburg, Fredericksburg, he's going to try and find his brother. Crazy. He did indicate in his notes the first thing he saw was a huge pile of amputated limbs. Ugh. Um, there's actually a poem about that called From the Stump. If we want to talk about it, it's pretty dark. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's just a bunch of kids' arms and legs. He hunts down George, finds him. He's fine. He just got some shrapnel that cut his face open. Uh, but they got that sewed. George is okay. George actually ends up doing four years in the war, part of which in a Confederate prison camp. George is pretty cool. And uh, Walt starts writing a lot in his uh, journals because he's very, uh, I don't know, disturbed, maybe is the right word, about the war. It's a pretty haunting goddamn thing. He's in Washington, D.C., and he's at this hospital where he finds George, and he just sees floor after floor of wounded children. Damn. And there's not enough doctors. There's not enough nurses. Now, when you say children, is this like because it's like young kids that are in the war? Yeah, or is it like. Well, yeah, because if you, you know, war now, you know, you can be 18 to sign up for the yeah. Marines, but back then, I think they're probably 13 to 17 fucking kids. Yeah. And Walt is in his 40s and like, God damn it. So there's actually a quote from him. He says, What is a man to do? He's, he describes them as frightened animals with gangrene in a hellish environment. So he just fucking stays. He gets an apartment in Washington and tries to find a job as like a copier. Or he tries to get a job with the government just for some money. But what he actually ends up doing is just essentially living at this hospital to take care of these kids. Damn. Because there's just not enough medical facility to handle it. That's pretty cool of him to like just do like damn he felt like he didn't have a choice yeah and it's 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 odd and fun and you know, it's walty so there's some eroticism involved in, in his feelings he's like these kids haven't even licked a man's chest yet we've got a i got a fresh chest kids well i was gonna say that i was gonna say well, i helped save you line up <laughs> so you can later in life or whatever but well they did call him uh actually they called him uh the santa claus because he actually had a bag full of candy and tobacco and biscuits and he would wander around he'd be he'd want up to this kid and be like how you doing pal here's a biscuit how you feeling good and here's some candy and make some sure tobacco. you're okay he'd help them write letters if their hands were fucked up to write home that's cool or help like give them insight into like what should i tell my mom like my legs are blowed off and so he'd sit down with them and he spent all fucking day and month and years at these hospitals just taking care of these kids shit He's That's a cool. very inspirational guy. And he actually said that he made a point to find the ones who weren't going to make it, and he would stay with them until they were gone. Damn. Which, hmm. I'm not deep enough to absorb that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You see, I imagine there's more than one, too. That's got to be pretty... Uh, probably hundreds. That's a pretty big burden to take on. It's cool of him that he, he did that, knowing what, I'm sure, probably very scary, especially if... <clears throat> Well, yeah, it must have been scary because, I mean, especially if you know you're going to die, and nice to have someone there. Even though it's probably hard for Walt to mm -hmm. go room to room each time, it's a nice thing for him to do. He kind of walked the walk. Yeah. Like, he wrote all these poems, had all these amazing ideas about America. He's like, I'm fucking doing something now. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to talk. Yeah, he walked in that, you know, most people walking in that environment, you're like, I gotta get the fuck out of here, but... Oh, and... Could you imagine the fucking smell and the whole atmosphere would be just a huge the bummer. horror, man. The whole thing horror. would be fucking terrible. Because, you know, 
war, you know, sometimes are justified, and civil war seems pretty justified, but the the the, the physicality of it is dying children. Yeah. That's yeah. fucking rough. And, you know, so he wrote uh, Specimen Days, which is a, a book of his, which is a compilation of a few different things, but the first part is his experiences taking care of these boys, and yeah, he... He sort of details it in a pretty horrifying <clears throat> way. You know, he'll sit with Johnny S, help him write a letter to his mom, cuddle him, give him some shit, and hang out with Johnny until he passes. And then he goes on to John M and helps John with this and that. And He went by Jack sometimes. Sometimes he goes by Jack, and uh, <laughs> nobody actually knows why that happens. He hung out with Richard, who wanted to go by Rich, but he called him Dick. And Dick wasn't happy about that, and that's what killed Dick. But, you know, that's going to die that anyway. Happens, is now we now call people Dick. That's what I call people Dick. I'm going to call you Dick. <laughs> well, and he would cuddle these boys, and, you know, his writing, because he's a very sensual guy, can be interpreted as erotic, uh, which is creepy, but I don't think <laughs> that it should be seen as erotic. He would he would literally cuddle them. He would cuddle them Not in and a... kiss them. Right. Because I think they were dying. They yeah. were kids. And he would hold them until they went. It was intimate. Very in a, intimate. In a yeah. non-sexual way. In a meaningful way. way. Maybe sexual for him. That's fine. I don't know. I, I think it's it kind comforted of, them I think it's to kind the of end. common thing, though, right? I mean, people talk about that with war and stuff. It's like they held their friend at their last moments. Yeah, the comradeship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was like for him, like, this is the thing I love. This is America. These guys are defending it. Yeah. And I... Yeah, defending the union, and they—they they were the commoners that he talked about. Yeah, talked up. And yeah, he made that sacrifice that was important to him, and yeah. So he held them. He held them close and kissed them till they were gone. Yeah, it's needs it's the the rough shit. Yeah. of his time, very dark. Well, uh, he seemed to actually handle it okay. He handled it from a a mature place where he's like mm, they died and i'm gonna write about it and he didn't go insane <laughs> i think most wow, people yeah. would go yeah. fucking insane um <clears throat> in his journals uh in washington dc he never met lincoln but he saw lincoln because he's in the capital and lincoln is a fucking man he actually wrote in his journal uh upon seeing lincoln just fucking cross the street with his staff <laughs> He said, the invisible foundations and vertebra of his character, more than any other man in histories, were mystical, abstract, moral, and spiritual. A man of indomitable f- firmness. And Lincoln was just like, I'm trying to go f- take a shit. Jesus, dude. <laughs> in the street. Indomitable <laughs> firmness. get home. <laughs> <laughs> he fucking, yeah, he was all yeah, for Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, well, during the war, right before it ended in 1864... His brother Andrew died of, it, I mean, it's listed as sort of unknown, but everybody kind of is on the level that it, uh, he died of drinking himself to death the way his dad did. Yeah. Uh, his other brother Jesse is uh, violently insane from syphilis. Oh, that's a bummer. Syphilis does make you go crazy. Yeah. It did. Syphilis caused uh, Nietzsche to kiss a horse, so sometimes syphilis makes you go a little bit bananas. Yeah. Um, his mm. sister uh, Nancy is destitute. And currently a prostitute. His brother Jeff is drafted to the war because it's not going great. And so his mom writes him and is like, the family's falling apart. So he runs home, 
uh, pays the $300, which was like a thing at the time where you could avoid the draft because Jeff right. was drafted, but you could pay out of it, but Jeff had no money. So Walt runs home, pays to get Jeff not to be drafted, pulls Nancy out of destitution to not be a prostitute. He's like, come live with mom. I'll give you some money. Um, Damn. He commits Jesse, the syphilitic one, to Kings County Lunatic Asylum. And, okay, we're good. Okay. You Dude, can't adult yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come do it for you. That's so crazy, though. This guy is gone over to help a bunch of people in the hospital, and he's doing yeah. everything he can there. And probably the most depressing thing going on with yeah, all that traumatizing Kids. man. It's just a disturbing life. Such responsibility. <laughs> and then runs home to go rescue his family as well. well and... and the crazy thing is that after he com- like finishes all these tasks back in Manhattan, he goes back to DC, back to these hospitals. Yeah, so he, he goes just back. turns right back around. Well, and it's even cool because I like this idea that he even like rushed out when he thought George Washington, his brother, might have been badly injured or possibly killed. So he runs out to the front line to go find him. Yeah. He obviously cares very deeply about his family. And um, at, at, at this time, George is actually in a Confederate war prison. Like he, oh, damn. He knows George is out there and he's just got his fingers crossed. Like, oh, he's not dead now. Fuck, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fucking stress. It's the point where he got very, very sick and was actually hospitalized with, you know, what we would probably consider now like exhaustion and a mix of insomnia and some kind of virus from hanging out in these hospitals. Uh, he reported that he had night terrors, uh, uncontrollable trembling and headaches, and he had this weird buzzing sound in his head. And the modern take is that it's just fucking deep exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not it's not really great health for you yeah. if you're uh-uh. psychological distress. Yeah. Well Walt did love theater though. He loved plays and the opera. And he had a fun part around this time when he went to see the Shakespeare play Richard the Third. Uh and Richard the Third in this play was played by the renowned actor John Wilkes Booth. Booth. Who I don't know anything else about, <laughs> but he did say that John Wilkes was amazing, and he called it electric. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah. Well, the war He's ends. Like it's like you need to go see this. Like you need a bolt in the head. <laughs> <laughs> he told everybody that you need to see this electric shit, like a bullet in your fucking yeah. skull. Well, if you don't go see it, then put one in there yourself. Just, yeah, it's that good. Go check it out, John. Wil- yeah, Wilkes Booth figured that out. <laughs> he knew how to act his way into any aggressive situation. Um, well, the war ends in April of 1865. Well, it's actually April the 9th, which is important because uh, Lincoln is shot April the 15th. It's only so, a few days later. Wow, so he saw uh, he saw Abe earlier. He saw Abe Lincoln earlier in the street. Yep. And then he saw his murderer later on. He's in electric. The, yeah. On <laughs> a show. In a Could play. you imagine, yeah, witnessing that? And just. Did he say anything fuck? about that with Lincoln dying? Because it was his captain, always captain. Oh, God. Well, oh, Captain, my captain, he finished after Lincoln died. And it's, oh, did it's, he? There's a lot of solemnity to it. Okay. A lot of uh, processing that your hero is dead. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He didn't take that well. I think he probably hoped that he could have also cuddled him because there's a lot of talk that Lincoln was gay, too. Maybe they could have had a good time. I wonder if, uh, did he ever write anything about John Wilkes Booth afterwards being like, I gave him a good review, but uh, in hindsight, 
He's a dick. <laughs> he's an asshole. Yeah, he has one poem in Leaves of Grass called John Wilkes Booth, and it just says, he's a dick. <laughs> Period. It's a short, it's a beautiful, short poem. <laughs> it's his shortest poem. Yeah. Next to his, his, uh, his shortest poem is one word, which is balls. And it's, and the title is beautiful, sweaty. <laughs> and then the, the poem is just balls. Yeah, I like that because it's short, sweet to the point. Raw? It's really raw. Raw. Right to the point. And it's, and it's a metaphor. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. America or something. <laughs> or something. <laughs> or some shit. I don't know. I don't know. I don't work here. Uh, well, he goes back to Manhattan and he publishes Drum Taps. Drum Taps, along with uh, Calamus, is like. It's a section of Leaves of Grass. Uh, so, Leaves of Grass, I don't know if we've properly expressed this. He released Leaves of Grass as Volume 1, Volume 2, Volume 3, etc., etc. He never released a second book of poetry. It's always yeah. just a revised version of Leaves of Grass. It just kept getting thicker and thicker. And yeah, yeah, just, just thicker like and thicker a... like his dick. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he added Calamus in Volume 3 and in Volume 4, maybe we're at 5 now, uh, he added Drum Taps. And Drum Taps is about his time in the Civil War. Um, he has a quote... Well, one of the quotes from one of the poems in Drum Taps is, Wandering the city aimlessly, black, 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 as I look toward the stop, uh, look toward the sky, long, broad, black, like great serpents. Drum Taps is depressing. I was going to say, so yeah. it's no longer the uplifting, happy about everything. It sounds like this is a darker period. He's for him. bummed out. Much darker. And Drum Taps has some, like, patriotic, like, war is good and justified sometimes type of shit. Yeah. But it's mostly pretty depressing stuff. But if you're going to look into Walt Whitman, you're going to see Songs of Myself, you're going to see Oh Captain, My Captain, you're going to yeah. see Calamus, and you're going to see Drum Taps. Those are his highlights. I was going to say, his greatest hits. do people like his, uh, his uplifting stuff more? Do they take it all together? Do they like his depressing yeah. stuff more? It's mostly like students and scholars will go for the... Because, I mean, not that many people read Whitman, but if they do, yeah, they're reading the uplifting nature poems. and the... There's a lot of nature stuff. Yeah. I might, have to, I might have to grab one of those. Which one do you recommend? Should I start off with the oh, man. thinner original? The, only, the last, the deathbed edition, they call it, the final version, is this it's, one. It's and thick. it's just, it's, it's intimidating. Thick. Yeah. But it's worth it. But I, I don't know. I would say read the first one first. Just start with the original, yeah. 1855. I'd, I'd start with volume three, because you start getting the gay stuff. Ooh, yeah. You, you got you to work your way to that, though. Maybe you you got <laughs> to warm it up first. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some foreplay before we get into yeah. it. Yeah. Volume one and two is foreplay. You yeah. heat the pan before you throw the meat in. Yeah, yeah you got to throw the meat in. <laughs> well, he... Uh, this is fun. <laughs> threw a friend at that bar they used to go to at Fast. And he's depressed now. Just his nerves are shot. He meets a gentleman by the name of Peter Doyle, and Peter Doyle is twenty eight young twenty eight years younger than him. Peter Doyle's in his early twenties. And Peter Doyle is actually a former Confederate soldier Whoa. who started living in New York to be a um uh carriage operator. It's like a taxi driver, but a carriage. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You walk around with a horse and you pick up people after they get drunk at fast. And uh, he, I guess they call it a conductor. And at first, uh, him and Peter started going to bars together, and they rode around town, and Walt would recite poetry to him. 
Uh, Peter's practically illiterate because he's from the South and fuck them. <laughs> and uh, there's actually a photo you can look up of Walt and Peter together. Uh, it's very sassy looking. It's very cute. Mm. <laughs> there's nothing written down about this shit because it's the 19th century. You can't say that. The- I was going to say, was there ever anything? Do we ever have any real conclusive? It's always just kind of speculative. He's mm. given it to Peter. We're we're just going to... That happened. People time has stamped it. He's given it to Peter. <laughs> Bam. Wallman's penis... That's our belief. ...was in and around Peter Doyle's butthole and mouth. Awesome. And vice versa. Yeah. Uh, Peter It'd be is... weird if they, like, met his brother later on, George Washington. He's like, oh, shit, that's the guy he hit shrapnel with in the face. <laughs> Do you, look, hey, look, that. you know that guy over there? I hit that guy. And that's he's my like, brother. Oh. Oh, shit. You have to go down on me now. That's how we even this out. <laughs> I was going to anyways. Oh, sweet. <laughs> so, Peter Doyle is often expressed as Walt Whitman's... He's the greatest love of Walt's life. Oh, cool. Walt, in his journals, went on and on and on and on and on about Peter. Um, sometimes slightly erotic, mostly, you know, his kind of thing. Like, oh, he's so smart and he's so full of life and he's it's just the shit you write down when you're in love with somebody i hope i hope (laughs) that there was something there and i just didn't get written down because well that's already like adorable and cute but whatever but it's also like be weird if it wasn't and he was just had this crush and he's just like writing about this guy and the other guy has no idea he's like (laughs) (laughs) so hopefully yeah hopefully there was something there oh peter seemed to be into it yeah and uh he there is talk that Walt admonished Peter for being too much into beer and ladies. <laughs> you need to be more too into much. Whitman and you need to be more into me. And Whitman's luscious gray chest uh, hair. Yeah. yeah. Needs to be clean with your tongue. Mm-hmm. Well, and Pete uh accused Walt of having too many mistresses during the war. Uh they used to actually fight in public about whether or not they which one of them fucked too many ladies. That was part of their their way of covering up that they're about ready to go have sex with well, each other later. One of the biographies I read, the guy was trying to figure out what is going on, and he said that there are public, not like public records, but people's journals and people from the time who hung out in similar circles saying that they would fight in public about how much the other fucked women. <laughs> and he was like, who does that? Who, unless they're fucking each other. Who does that? Yeah. That was the takeaway. Yeah. And he fucking loves Peter. Well, he, uh, in 1867, he publishes volume five, which includes my favorite poem called O Hyman, which we talked about earlier. Oh, yeah. O Hyman? He has a poem called O it's Hyman. It's called O Hyman, O Hymene. But I don't know what Hymene is supposed to mean. <laughs> is, yeah, wait, so. <laughs> is, find that one. is the word, is it two words, O Hyman, or is it one word? That it's, I just not understand. It's one word, it's, O Hyman. Oh, two words. Oh, Hyman. Okay, so it like, is Hyman. Oh, Hyman. Okay. And then, oh, Hymeny. Yeah, see what, see what you make of this. <laughs> okay, okay, you <laughs> it's, got it's it. It's short. We'll get it. Oh, Hyman, oh, Hymeny. Uh, that's the title of the poem, but it also starts at, oh, Hyman, oh, Hymeny, why do you tantalize me thus? Oh, why sting me for a swift moment only? Why can you not continue? Oh, why do you now cease? Is it because if you continued beyond the swift moment, you would soon certainly kill me? <laughs> wow. Why do you sting me such? It's weird. Oh, Hymeny. So wait, is this him talking about like because of him, him wanting it? Or is this because of uh, him yeah. saying that it's like cause of his problems because he other people are... We tried to discuss this earlier. <laughs> um, 
with Waltony Waltano and his wife, <laughs> we were like, what? What is the metaphor here? Because it almost sounds like it could be like also the villain, like yeah, like not because he's trying yeah. to get it, but because it's like Peter fucks too many women. Goddamn, goddamn hymen. hymen. <laughs> Fuck, Peter break. Too- oh hymen, oh hymeny. He broke too many hymens, and now trying we're to, not getting along. Trying to Google hymeny. Yeah, what the fuck is hymeny? It's so it's hymen with an extra e, so it's like oh hymeny, hmm. which I don't know the medical history of the world. How long have they known about hymens? I think. Well, I'm not sure if it has that. I would think for a long time. I don't know. Walt knew about it, and he had some weird shit to say about it. Because it's like certainly going to kill him. He says. Seems like it's just a French. It's probably just the French word for hymen. I don't know. <laughs> weird. It's like where it's you. You hold your pinky up while you break the hymen. You're fancier. You're French. Oh, because it's hymeny. Yeah, you're like. Ha 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 ha. This says nuptial bond. Oh. Huh. I have no <laughs> way to di- to digest any of that. <laughs> it's a strange poem. It's almost like. And he kept it. Yeah. He he kept that and put it in the official. Yeah. Version. It's just weird. Like. You're gonna kill me if you don't. Well, I think it was your, your teasing and tantalizing. Is that what was tantalize me thus? Yeah, it, I I think it was your your wife who made the point that that it, it's because it's he doesn't want to break the hymen, but he does. Yeah, and that's why he feels like it's going to kill. It's him. gonna break. Kill me if I can't. It's gonna kill yeah. me if I can't break it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I think Walt. for him it. Must have been some sort of metaphor, but I don't know what it is. Jesus, uh, Walt. I was gonna say this. This is these are the kind of poems where I'm like, uh, I don't get it. Well, uh, Volume Five also included uh, the major hit uh, "Drunk Dialing" and "Fuck Your Man." <laughs> Call now one eight hundred people time. One dollar a month. Whoever. Anybody into it? Hit me up. Hank, hit me up. Uh, nobody still wants to publish this shit. He's he's five deep, and he still can't get a publisher. Really? He self-publishes with his knowledge about all that shit that he did earlier as a journalist, and he sells them to $3 each to specific buyers. And the, he's getting some traction in England as a literary figure, but they don't want all the dirty shit, the hymen stuff and the licking the chests. What? Come stuff. on, Europe's a little bit more loosey-goosey, right? I guess back then maybe under the monarchy, maybe not. Yeah. Um, he did not. He was not cool with an uh, edited version of it being released in England, but it happened anyway. Somebody else edited it for Somebody him. Somebody edited it for him, and then he's all like, "You can't just edit my stuff." And then like his old buddy is like, "Oh, remember when you put my letter in your book?" <laughs> it's not very fun. When people, hey, you don't like it when, when people don't ask you permission, right? That's not a nice feeling. <laughs> Well, after somebody released that edited version in England, and it actually was very, very popular. He was far more popular in England than here. Then he was cool with it. He's like, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you guys like me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. You released an edited version in England, and you get a whole So they following. got to O. Hyman, and they're like, they didn't even read any further. Like, that comes out. <laughs> just ripping pages out. That whole poem is censored except the very end. Like, you will kill me. <laughs> I'm like, that's a great poem. <laughs> Um, well, another bit of info that just sort of points to his homosexuality, which I feel like maybe at this point I'm harping on, but it's still disputed, and I don't have any conflict about him being gay. Who just disputes Straight this? gay. Other poets or historians or what? 
What's that? Who disputes, disputes it? it? Yeah. Oh, by many people, just because there's not evidence there's not, of it. There's not direct evidence of it. And at the same time, the time frame just kind of suggests that there probably would be very little <laughs> evidence anyways. Yeah. It's kind of hard to prove that shit. Unless he got caught and was well, killed for it. And then there was a lady. Happen. Yeah, you can't really <laughs> prove everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was a lady named Anne, Anne Gilchrist who was a William Blake scholar. Uh, until she read Walt Whitman, she read the edited versions of his stuff in England, and she went bananas and started writing Walt Whitman a letter literally every day, telling him how much she adored him. He was a genius. You're a master, ascended master. No, that's nice. She started calling him baby and wanted to hmm. meet him. Hmm. On one of the recovered letters that she wrote him, uh, in his handwriting, he wrote insane asylum. <laughs> Serious <laughs> question mark. That's awesome. Wow. And he starts writing her back. He's polite, and he tries to tell her, "Please understand that the Walt Whitman of Leaves of Grass is a is a character. The real <laughs> Walt Whitman is very boring, and we don't need to meet each other." He literally tells her, "Like that's need, hilarious. Need, yeah, you're nuts." <laughs> so she comes to his home. Holding a boombox, and she stands outside playing uh, Peter Gabriel <laughs> oh, yeah. until he comes outside. No, but literally, they do meet, and he is very standoffish and polite, uh, but he's not into fucking his fans. Uh, well, they're ladies, anyway. So this is like old school fangirl. Like, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Writing letters, and she's probably spraying it with her perfume, baby, <laughs> then travels across the ocean to come to his house. Yeah. He's like an old, bearded, yeah, white-haired. It's just yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> at this point he's probably, you know, beer belly, kind of crippled, walking around kind of guy at this point. Yeah. What time frame is this now? Are we? We're, we're in the eighteen late eighteen sixties, eighteen sixty nine, eighteen seventy. Yeah, he's pretty old now. So yeah, we're starting to get into the time frame of. But this is where Gandhi and Rasputin are kind of yeah. starting to get born. Uh huh. Well, okay. and Anne Gilchrist actually moves her whole family from England because her her husband passed away, and she brought her kids over to Manhattan. Her idea to woo, uh, Walt, and he's just not not into it. They're just sort of friends until she goes back to England. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of avoids her, like just friend zoned her. You're fucking nuts. Um. Well, he starts publishing some other stuff. He publishes a book called Democratic Vistas. Uh, he sort of complains against American expansionism, like the Louisiana Purchase is about to happen. And he thinks maybe we're being a little too excessive. Uh, he gets more into the public about the 15th Amendment, which is universal suffrage, like letting people vote. Yep, which uh, doesn't end up even happening for another hundred years anyway. Still working on that. And he was very iffy about it. He's like, no, no slavery. I don't know if I want him to vote, though. They smell different. Damn, dude. So he's iffy. Um, he does write a whole bunch of stuff about how the American spirit needs some moral and spiritual guidance. And what that spiritual guidance should be is poetry. Nice. I didn't see that coming. Sort of self, yeah. self, uh, self-advertising. self Well, in 1873... Buy my book. Yeah, well, he and he's starting to become a public figure now. Like it's funny how often that happens with art and like music. Like in America, people are not into it. You send it to England, they love it. 
and then it comes back from England into yeah. America, and then we're into it. <laughs> yeah, the only way to get it faster is if black people would have liked it first, and then like and they a would couple have... years later, then the white people are like, oh, we always thought this was cool. <laughs> right. We always thought this was awesome. If he would have been 100% against blacks having rights, he yeah. would have been famous a lot sooner. <laughs> people are like, dude, they're into it. The Negroes. Yeah. yeah. Well, in 1873... Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, there's a lot of silly shit that, you, that uh, he's... As a sort of celebrity, there's a lot of fake stories about him dying, kind of like like Betty White right now. Wow. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Yeah. And he actually wrote about that. He found it fucking hilarious. <laughs> and in 1873, he has a stroke, which does cut off like half of his mobility on his left side. Bummer. And he, he, you know, he gets a cane. He's wobbling around like an old guy. A uh, little context for people time. 1874, Winston Churchill's born. Bam! Yeah. So in 1876, Who will also be right. I wonder if Winston Churchill was actually uh, ever read, read any of Walt Whitman and was probably inspired. he seems probably like did. a well-read yeah. guy. Well, once he went to his first battle, yeah, it was technically his second battle. He started reading up on a whole bunch of stuff. Oh. So I wouldn't be surprised if he picked up some Walt Whitman, yeah, especially if it was popular in England. Well, in 1876, he's been a poet for over 20 years, and even though he's sort of a celebrity he's still self-publishing and not getting a ton of recognition he's not being seen as like america's bard or the nation's poet that he set out to be in fact at this point uh the poet tennyson publicly says that whatever political or poetical power he has is obscured by total want of education and delicacy emerson at this point says that he is a conceited creature valuing his roughness and a contempt for good breeding (laughs) Whoa, hmm. so he no longer really likes him that much? He still never liked his poetry. Uh, uh, I don't know what that is. I think he's mad about the letter. Well, because at first he said he <laughs> liked it to some degree. Yeah. And yeah. thought he was doing But I the... think that Emerson was being polite. Yeah. Just being like, hey, great job, buddy. I'm seeing you at the beginning of a good career. You're amazing. And then Walt just published that letter. <laughs> he's like, see, I'm amazing. <laughs> and Emerson has just had to carry that yeah, ever since. Well, what, what's up with that with poetry and art um, and stuff? Where it's like it seems like the artist doesn't get the credit until either until they're dead or mm-hmm. near the end Fuck. of their life. Fucking a, I don't know. I think we like our artists dead. I guess like people so. tell them we like them dead. Oh yeah, shit. Whoa, <laughs> that's what it is. Be dead. Yeah. We won't give a do. Shit about we you. won't do well, people are dead. Whitman was so different from everything before. It's like a very rough Maybe transition to where this is acceptable <laughs> to yeah. sort of absorb everything he was doing. Yeah. yeah. It took some time for people to go, okay, slowly. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of getting there. I mean, unfortunately, uh, around this time, Emerson releases an anthology called The Greatest American Poetry. No Whitman. No Whitman. <laughs> no Whitman. In fact, at well, the Centennial Exhibition for America's 100th birthday, so 1876, some guy named Bayard Taylor is selected as the national poet. Someone um, we don't even know anything about. <laughs> nobody knows. It's like the whoever wins American Idol. Yeah. We don't know who that fucking person is. <laughs> yeah. That's um, funny. Well, and he kept doing his thing, writing anonymous articles about what an un- unacknowledged genius he is. <laughs> and his scorn from liter- uh, literature circles equals the scorn of orthodoxy. He just picks himself anonymously as brave <laughs> and calls himself actually people call him the old gray poet he penned that in an anonymous that was his yeah he coined it his he called himself the old gray poet 
and then plugs his new book in the anonymous reviews like yeah he's amazing you should buy his new book <laughs> <laughs> well i like that he's got he's got multiple nicknames he's got the american bard yeah and then the old gray poet <laughs> old gray poet i think that's a great fucking name yeah yeah um well he uh he starts again i'm just gonna call it what it is he dates a guy named harry stafford there's conflict about what his relationship is with stafford he's dating him as far as i'm concerned uh they're friends and stafford's a, wants to be a writer and and walt helps him out walt actually gives him a ring which everything i read they said platonically that's normal for men's relationships back then which i call hmm. bullshit on. i never heard of it but maybe that's something they do so i hmm. think walt is half meritish marriedish to this stafford gentleman sure uh he actually moves into uh stafford's family's property which is like in a in timber creek new jersey which is like a nice woodsy area so yeah that sounds like marriage and then out of view from everybody else like yeah moving yeah. together <laughs> in the, the ring He's like, they had a ceremony, but don't worry, this is normal for that time period. No. They would stand up, they say, I do. Dude, bros have ceremonies all the time. You with do each a other. crazy little, just a small little peck, just to, it's like this. <laughs> it's actually based around God, if it's you legal. must know. If we're going to legally sanctify our broship, i got to give you a little smooch. Yeah. It's actually, maybe. Ancient maybe, before. Maybe a little bit longer of a smooch with huh. some tongue. <laughs> Did you give your wife tongue on the. Uh... On the kiss for your I don't remember. I don't think so. My whole extended family was there with my weird cousins. Yeah. <laughs> my weird cousins. <laughs> Those are the ones that don't. They don't. They have not seen tongue in real life. I didn't want to get the whole party going. They'll definitely never hear this, right? They don't have the internet or whatever. <laughs> they do and they might. Oh, Love shit. Love you guys. You're weird. So, <laughs> uh, he, uh, he actually briefly travels west, sees Canada and the Rocky Mountains. He wrote about that in his journals. All what you would expect. Nature, mountains, ah, oh, semen. Yeah. All right, so that's what you say. What do you say? It was a good stuff? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Simple, isn't it? Yeah. I was like, oh, I was going to have, I was going to laugh if you're like, it's actually really good and, and deep. And, and you're like, nature, semen. Anyways, that's, that's, <laughs> that's where he's at. Well, in 18, uh, uh, 85, he has a stroke. Did I already say that? Another stroke? Yeah, he has another stroke. Yeah. And he's living with his brother uh, and sister-in-law, and they fucking hate him. Uh, and he hates them. I'm not sure what that's about. It's his brother, uh, George. And George has come back from the war, and his sister-in-law hates him is actually what it is. And he he buys a place on 328 Mickle Street, Camden, New Jersey. I give that whole thing because that building is still standing and is like a memorial to him. Oh, cool. If you're ever in Camden, New Jersey, go check it out. A bunch of his shit is there. It's like a memorial place. I don't ever go to New Jersey, but cool. Yeah, I don't want to go there. But Mickle Street <laughs> is like it's like a thing in New Jersey. You go to Mickle Street, you go check out Walty's old house. That's pretty badass. Still it's not awesome. worth it to go yeah, just that. for that. It's a national monument. I would totally do that. And he just putters around like an old fucking guy with a cane, hangs out on a horse, he hangs out with his, his boyfriend, Harry. He uh, gets some weird circle of friends around him who start calling him a genius and some <laughs> spiritual reincarnation of Jesus. And sounds, like, sounds like a cult. Yeah. Kind of cultish. I mean, there are writers and poets and artists and, and homosexuals who try to attach to him. And, and one of them is Jack Parsons' father. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, in 1890, I was going to play this real quick. He meets uh, uh, Thomas Edison. What? Hmm. Hey, Google. Take not, me to work. Not this. Oh, right, stupid and that's it. There it is. And that's what he did. America. Center of equal daughters. Equal sons. All. All alike and good. Grow. Ungrow. Young or old. Strong. Ample. Fair. Enduring. Capable. Rich. Perennial with the earth, with freedom, law, and love. So that's Walt Whitman's voice there? So Thomas Edison is just working on... Um, Phonograph? Recording. Phonographs, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like this really crude, um, like, wax kind of shit. Yeah, it's like a wax Real. cylinder that would be carved as exactly. it was. Exactly. Yeah. And it sounds like Going. a piece of shit. It sounds like a fucking train. Yeah, is, yeah it's, on it's, a train. It's, it's scary. It is kind of creepy. The it's neat. first audio recordings of all time is like the scariest shit you'll ever hear. <laughs> it's just white noise and somebody whispering in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's seriously terrifying. It's like something from a... That's why I was when you record on well, and that it's kinda, medium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not very good. It's kind of neat to hear that's his goddamn voice. That's insane to me it's like 150 yeah. years old that's that is crazy is it like conclusive because I, I heard there was argument as to whether that's really him. i have too uh everything i kind of landed on that it is him that i did too i remember from the research i did yeah, yeah. it's been a long time since i researched it but i remember did, concluding what did they say <laughs> exactly i actually got the poem i'll tell you just because you can't really tell so it's a poem? Uh, he says america center of equal daughters equal sons all all alike endeared grown ungrown young or old strong ample fair enduring capable rich perennial with the earth with freedom law and love a grand sane towering seated mother chaired in the adamant of time so that's one of his poems for sure yeah that's that's like the a Ameri- section of poem called america it's like very classic whitman so it's like just a list of adjectives explaining why this thing is awesome. Yeah. I think a list of adjectives like explaining awesome, that's Whitman. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's funny. But it's does. convincing because normally you'd be like, whatever, man. I don't give a shit about your adjective. <clears throat> but yeah. It kind of builds in a way that's just like, like earlier he was reading, one of the first things he read um, from Whitman on the podcast was as he started going, I was kind of like, well, this is kind of yeah. a lot and long. But as I kept on listening, I was kind of like, it has this kind of build, yeah, you know, kind of like a nice rhythm to it. Definitely that... gets some momentum going. I'll just yeah. kind of bring up a topic, and then I'll just take some time explaining to you why it's awesome, and it's convincing. Yeah. That's so fucking hard to do with, like, because nowadays, with poetry, adjectives are looked at, like, sort of suspiciously. Are they? Is it just like... Which I... Why is that? Is it just because they're... It's too easy. It's yeah. just like... Hey, the the window is misty. Like, okay, well, I don't give a shit. You gotta explain to me. You gotta give me more. Yeah. It's like that whole like show don't or yeah show don't tell. Yeah. But Whitman was kind of doing both, <laughs> but yeah. it worked. Yeah. Found out a way to, I don't know, a convincing way to list a bunch of adjectives as to why something's awesome. And then it sounds good. Yeah, it's like all my poetry. 
just long, hard, <laughs> stiff, <laughs> stroking, wet, hard, wetter, harder, <laughs> harder, wetter, thick. Oh, softer, softer. So- softer. No, where are you going? Fuck. <laughs> There's a poem for us. Um, well, in 1892, he is bedridden, and he releases his, what is considered the deathbed edition, which is actually his ninth. I've kind of skipped over some of his other versions, just because, you know, he just sort of adds to them, tweaks them. The last one is the one, the deathbed edition. Well, that's, that's significantly, like we were saying earlier, it's significantly Huge. a bigger book than the yeah. original one. So he's obviously much bigger. put in a lot more. Well, and the first one is 12 poems. And the last one, I believe, is like 400? It's over 400. You know, yeah, almost. so that's... He just kept adding to it. He that's believed cool. in it, though. He, Did he ever like take a, any out? Did he always keep in the same huh? one? Besides being Did he do censored? What? Did, Did he, he ever take stuff? any poems Oh, not out? that I saw. I think he would tweak them. Maybe but just adjust them. He, was, he, he had that, that sort of arrogant like no it's I'm good not gonna take it out because yeah he was told to take some stuff out he never did yeah it's kind as far of, as i saw he would make edits the the <clears throat> he like uh, prepared like a press release for the last edition that seems very like ambivalent like this is my definitely my last book it is what it is <laughs> he said <laughs> well he said walt whitman wishes respectfully to notify the public that the book leaves of grass which he has been working on at great intervals and partially issued for the past 35 or 40 years, is now completed, so to call it, and he would like this new 1892 edition to absolutely supersede all previous ones. Faulty as it is, he decides it is by far his special and entire self-chosen poetic utterance. That's badass. I think it was more like he knew his time was short, so he's He's, like... He's calling it. It is what it is. It's, It's great, but it's not perfect. What a ballsy way to go <laughs> out, though. Like, it is what it is. Yeah. Wow, there's, so something it goes. Like, there's something cool about it, just being like, yeah, it's... It's my last... My I've been last working out for a while. It's, there's some good stuff in it. I feel like I did a good job. Here you go. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a good way to, like, let go. Like, yeah. allow yourself to die without having finished your life's work completely. Well, and can you ever <laughs> say something's completed <laughs> well, like that? I mean, like, it seems like it could have just kept on going well, and kept adding more. Especially you know? the concept he created for Leaves of Grass. It was just... It was an evolving concept in and of itself he could if he could live forever it would have just kept going yeah. <laughs> it just followed him and his experiences and his edits you know well in america continually changes so he, he probably would have enjoyed oh, yeah. keeping up with yeah he'd have whole sections right now about twitter <laughs> and hashtags <laughs> and selfies it's like back when i was a kid you fucking <laughs> 200 years ago yeah this is lame you guys are lame <laughs> <laughs> Do you not even know you're lame? It's, it's such a bummer to think about all the people who were stoked on America at the beginning. If they saw it now, they'd all be pissed off. Probably, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, seeing the CIA, be like, the fuck, what guys? What the hell is this? This is not what we were working on. Yeah. You can't bar refugees, you dicks. That's the whole <laughs> <Yeah>. concept. <laughs> you can't put kids in cages. Yeah. Walty is turning in his grave. Yeah, you goddamn. Although babies. at the same time, maybe in the fifties and sixties, he might not have been so much of a great help on it. Are we really gonna let them vote? Are we really? Is this where we got into? <laughs> yeah. True. It was so, like, I don't know. They're different, though. Do you yeah. guys not see that they're different? They're different. That's weird. Well, I don't times like are it. changing, though. So, <laughs> well, uh, he spent a lot of time on his last years building a tomb. His tomb is still available. It's it's a big brick 
a goddamn thing in New Jersey that says Walt Whitman on it. Oh, really? A big stone tomb that he made big enough for his whole family to fit into. Still out there. And he spent all his time and money building that. And then on March the 26th of 1893, he died of pulmonary emphysema. His left lung collapsed and he, he just kind of passed away in his home on Mickle Street. Yeah. They did a face plaster thing like they used to do back then. Death masks. Oh, yeah. Right. Death mask. You can look it's that so up. Creepy. Very creepy. Mm. I do not like those. Mm-mm. And um, he's dead now. He, he didn't... Still. He's still dead. Oh, really? Wait, like, do you have the annotation for that? Um, well, where is he? <laughs> it's been like 200 years. I'm like waiting for the new... I don't know. Where's Tupac? I don't know where everybody is. <laughs> I don't have a good thing that tells me where everybody is. Huh. He's with Tupac somewhere. That's cool to think about. He's just cuddling him. Whitman and Tupac. <laughs> Whitman's white beard cuddling Tupac. Well, then again, though, Whitman two would, wordsmiths would be a dick about two it. Two wordsmiths, yeah. Whitman would probably be a dick about it. Like, you're a poet? Uh, you're black, though. Yeah, so it'd be a fucked up. Are situation. you even literate? And then Tupac would beat the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, old man. Fuck life. And that would be a good thing to happen because that'd be fucking awesome. I mean, with all of Whitman's on their secret Illuminati island, Tupac yeah. just beating the shit out of Walton for being a racist. Well, yeah, Walton with all of Whitman's him. greatness, right in the middle of it, it, there were some critical flaws. Well, yeah, because like then Whitman realizes he's in the black guys, but it's a little too late because he already insulted him and was getting his ass kicked. <laughs> so yeah that's well i had just a few things to wrap us up with uh if you guys have any thoughts we can throw them in i did want to say one of the documentaries i watched it was actually the one that you recommended to me oh yeah the, i think it was like the this P- american it's a no. P- pbs thing yeah it was a pbs well and alan ginsburg uh is a big part of that um alan ginsburg is a, a big beat poet guy yeah, loved uh, whitman Loved Whitman. He tried to um, replicate his free form kind of thing. Yeah, the long and, lines. Long, yeah, f- and Whitman is, or sorry, Ginsburg is also equally very aggressively homosexual. So he saw Whitman as a good hero. And yeah, he's a future people time for me because he's pretty interesting. But this is a quote from, well, not a quote, I'm paraphrasing from Ginsburg. He said that Alan Ginsburg said, I slept with Neil Cassidy. Neil Cassidy, I know, slept with Gavin Arthur. Gavin Arthur slept with Evan Carpenter, who described butt-fucking Walt Whitman. This was Alan Ginsberg's attempt to say, I know Walt Whitman is gay, because I slept with a guy who 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 slept with Walt Whitman. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, that happened. Yeah. Um, there are several people who still sort of say that he was not gay maybe bi maybe asexual i think y'all are fucking crazy he's a very strictly gay man as far as i could tell i did a lot of research there is talk that he hung out with ladies i don't think he ever fucked a lady just just me there are also a lot of groups who consider him a religious figure really on the level of jesus and buddha type of avatar hmm. they see him as because the way he embraced Today? america yeah now now and then actually hmm. Um, there are a lot of people who see him that way. He's like America's spiritual leader. Okay. And if you mm. read, if you read his poetry, there's a lot of inspirational spiritual shit in there. If you there know is. that kind of thing, which is awesome, yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, mm. there is. Um, let me see. I was just gonna say every generation kind of attaches to Whitman in a different way. Um, the Theosophists, which was like an occult 
uh, people at the turn of the century saw him as an ascended master. It's like a whole part of their philosophy. The hmm. beatniks loved him. The hippies saw him as some earthy hero. In recent times, he's seen as a like a gay rights symbol. Um, he just has a really enduring kind of personality where he's just fucking always around. Um, That's how you kind of always know about good writers, right? Like, yeah. good writers, their their stuff sticks around, doesn't just get lost. And that, I mean, it kind of always reminds me of bands and music. I know that's a silly comparison, but like a yeah. band. You mean like Everclear? <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, like the fact that you even know that name it's amazing that's because a good another name i guess yeah they're like buddha and, and jesus yeah they're ascended yeah. avatars yeah <laughs> but yeah like you know some bands die down they might have a couple people that are big followers or whatever yeah. but they don't you know but the beatles like right that will always kind of be a thing that's gone through yeah you know multiple decades at least so far the beatles and, aren't going away and neither is Walt women and you got the Beach Boys and fuck the Beach Boys. There's yeah. some people that probably like them, but I... Uh, I like the Beach Boys. I don't love them. Uh, they're not that good. Really? I like them a lot. I like Everybody them. go surfing. Well, okay. Surfing USA. It's obnoxious, but it's a good melody. Uh, no. Bar- Barbara, <laughs> An- Barbara Ann? It's not bad. There's a bunch of beach bums talking about surfing. Who cares? I don't even think they surfed. Yeah, I don't think they surfed. I think that was... That's like even a- worse. <laughs> it's just fucking posers. <laughs> Well, well, you know, John Fogarty wasn't really from the South. What the fuck is with that? Or isn't? Yeah, he sounds like he's mm-hmm. knee deep in a fucking swamp, and he's <laughs> he's in Southern California. Yeah, who's this? John Fogarty. Who's that? CCR. CCR? Cre- oh, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, he sounds like he's uh, uh Alabama, born on a bayou, yeah, Louisiana, dude. yeah, is what he sounds he's like. He's from California, Southern California. Yeah, yeah, got the sound down. Him and his brother, who he hates. He hates his brother? Yeah, the Fogarty brothers yeah, don't they, care for each other. I think, didn't his brother die? Recently, yeah, uh, after trying to sue John for all their rights. Man, I love CCR. I don't know any of this stuff. CCR is amazing. There's a lot of drama in that story. <laughs> Fucking great band. You guys should do John Fogarty. Once he dies, <laughs> yeah. you have to die. <laughs> but mind. yeah, so but he was... dear a... listener, go listen to uh, uh, CCR. It's yeah, amazing. it's great. Great music. And then, and then <laughs> Google why John hates his brother. Sad. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check this out. What about the credence? <laughs> I hate the fucking eagles, man. I've had a long day. I hate the fucking eagles. <laughs> but yeah, Walt Women's—he's obviously stuck around. He's not going anywhere, yeah, man. In, in uh, 2014, one of the 700 first editions, like walt touched them made them 700 versions of the first edition sold at auction for three hundred and five thousand dollars yeah wow so people are still trading that shit around there's a a mall named after him in hunting huntington new york seems odd he's got a bridge schools there's a summer camp named after him there's a bunch of fucking statues there's a statue of him in fucking moscow wow i mean everybody's into walty uh he was featured in Oprah's O Magazine as a cutout inspirational quote. Uh, if anything is sacred, the human body is sacred. And Oprah was really into that. Hmm. Uh, he has a beer. We actually has a bunch of beers named after him. Wow. Specifically a Michigan brewery. Oh, no. Leaves a bad taste in my oh, mouth. <laughs> but they are releasing a seven beer line all named after different poems of his. That's cool. I might ch- Interesting and... Are you Strange con- choice. Are you conflicted? For Michigan, it's kind of a weird. 
Yeah, because they don't know shit over there. And the people who are drinking it don't give a shit. Yeah, they don't know anything about Walt Women. They're just like, give me the booze. My life sucks. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to read it. They don't even know who it, who it they is. They don't know. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Just give it beer? Well, it, it's interesting, too, because even though some of our listeners might have picked up We Live in Utah, we've mentioned it a few times. But yeah. However, I work with a lot of people over in New York and New Jersey area. Right. Yeah. And I have to actually constantly refer to this specific location on Long Island in New York. Which is on Walt Whitman Road. Ah, so I don't know if nice. there's anything to do with where he was living when he was in Long Island, but they've at least named a um, road. I don't somewhere know there. the address where he grew up, but I would bet that's probably why it's called that. Yeah. That's kind of badass that you like work with that. Yeah. <laughs> Are you gonna share all these facts with your coworkers until they're annoyed? Uh, listen to my podcast. I try to, but we're over the phone most of the time, and they're like, "We don't have time for this, Jordan." <laughs> and you're like, "This is very yeah, unprofessional, he, Jordan." Did you you're know fu- that he? His gay lover was Peter Doyle. Did you know that he gave? I probably can't bring that up anymore. Although my work is pretty friendly when it comes to that stuff, which is nice. Yeah. At the same time, they don't want to hear that shit. Well, I, I'm sure it just depends on. I don't know. I don't know. Mention that he might have had sex with Oscar Wilde. There was like a whole. That's true. Yeah. Oscar Wilde. Yeah, I saw that in my in my. I didn't bring that up in my notes because I'm trying to get through this. But yeah, <laughs> who's Oscar Wilde? He's a writer. Oh, okay. Oscar Wilde. Yeah. Do either of them write about each other at all? Not that I saw. No, but they might have a relationship. Boinked. People don't know for sure, but... Boinking. I'm going to boink Oscar. I'm going to make him wild with my boinking. I had a lot of beers today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Keep going, that's fine. Well, he is in all goddamn kinds of things. He's in The Simpsons, like I played earlier. Yeah. He's in uh, ER and The Twilight Zone. Um, if you're into uh, specific pop culture types of shows, he is a big part of both the TV series Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Have you seen either of those series? Um, Walter White from Breaking Bad is named after Walt Whitman. And Leaves of Grass is used as a uh, visual transition to the narrative. If you want to watch Breaking Bad, I did not know that. Look for when Leaves of Grass happens; it transitions the narrative. Whoever wrote Breaking Bad, I don't remember his name. Super into that shit. Well, I was gonna say before I even knew that or anything that I always thought Breaking Bad was like they did such an amazing job on it. I it's actually haven't show. finished it, unfortunately. Yeah, I was watching with the wife, and it became one of those things like you better not watch it without me. But then, I fucking hate that. Yeah, but then it was always too I always watch it without you. Too, it's too depressing to watch yeah. tonight. It is depressing. That's why I didn't finish it. So, I finished it because I like them. I like that dark macabre. It was stressful. It was. It is stressful. stressful. Is why I stopped watching it. Well, I got like three episodes ahead of her, and she found out and got mad. But we never watched it again, so I didn't get to watch it anymore. Y'all gotta finish it, man. But yeah. it, it's amazing. So they used when you say they used the leaves of grass. Was it? Like throughout the whole series, that's kind of what they're implementing, or is it specific? It's not all the time, but you will see it at least every season. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. And it's the same with Mad Men. The the main character, Don Draper in Mad Men, his real name is Dick Whitman. That's oh. a spoiler if you've never seen Mad Men. Don Draper is not <laughs> his real name. His name is Dick Whitman. He's named after Walt as well. They're both named after him for the same reason as far as I can tell, in that they both symbolize that contradictory American character of like high ambition and then some moral gray shit and some hidden stuff and That's some cool. you know so Walt is sort That's of reviewed in the artistic sense as a perfect representation of America cuz he's he's ambitious he's fucking arrogant he loves America 
He's got some secrets. He's really into helping people who need help, like in the war and everything. Like everything about him, he's America. Walty is the fucking guy for for if you want to be a patriotic guy. Uh, as far as I can tell, for white people at least. For white people, <laughs> is America for anyone else? <laughs> Not as far as I can tell. Well, um, there is also an insane amount of books and analysis. Uh, exegesis stuff uh, and shit that I won't go into because it's just fucking too much. Uh, there is just a lot of this kind of shit. Um, there is uh, uh, he's uh, we talked earlier about the Dead Poet Society. He's a big part of that. Uh, there's a Ray Bradbury book. Oh, I love Ray Bradbury. Short stories called "I Sing the Body Electric," uh, which is "I Sing the Body Electric" is the name of the short story that the book is named after it's a compilation of short stories that story specifically is about a robot grandma replacement yeah it was a twilight zone episode as well <laughs> hilarious <laughs> that's yeah. awesome i've not read this i'm definitely hilarious. Reading this up. like ray badbury's most like i don't know one of his more interesting i want to know how anyone can remember his name because even though i love ray bradbury i always go ray bradbury or is it brad rayberry <laughs> it's brad rayberry <laughs> spread yeah it's it's Whit Waltman. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Now that's going to be a thing. It wasn't before, but Whit Waltman. So Whit Waltman, uh, in 1997, uh, Clinton uh, actually gave Monica Lewinsky a version of Lisa Grass as a uh, birthday present. Before You're joking. Got... No. I before... thought this was some sort of euphemism. Before they got gave caught her, uh... fucking each other. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, he, Link... Clinton, gave Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. Yeah. So he gave copy. her something. He gave her, he gave, hey, you know, there's a Beyonce song where she says that you Lewinsky's all over my blouse. Uh huh. Yeah. For real? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Beyonce so much. Oh man. Um, last thing I had, you know, uh, there's a, a part of the song of myself poem is on the AIDS memorial in New York, and there's a song. Uh, well, there's actually tons of songs that involve him or his lyrics or his name by Woody Guthrie, Joan Baez, uh, Van Morrison, Lindsey Buckingham, Billy Bragg, and also Trampled by Turtles. On my own, my own, on my own, my own. It's a good band. Light as a feather, dry as a bone. See, the good news is we don't get sued for this because it's you doing it. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm going to make it on my own, on my own. I've had a lot of beer today. <laughs> so that's Walt Whitman? That's it, man. That's all the shit I got. Well, it's actually cool. pronounced Whitman. We've been <laughs> doing it wrong. Oh, shit. Whiskey. Whit Waltman? Walt Whitman. Whit Whitman. I think this was a good episode. You know... This is different than what we normally do. Yeah. Because the context was more... Um, He's known for his writing, and that's obviously... Yeah. Hard. It. Yeah. And that's Re- also hard Whitman. for us to, to yeah, be able go to... go read them. Just read Whitman. Yeah. You know, a lot of what we do here is source surface where we say, this person's kick-ass. Go check it out. So yeah. Go do that. Go read Leaves of Grass. If you go to Barnes & Noble, they have the... Uh, yeah. They got like $5 versions of that shit. Yeah. Nice. Or it's online. It's all, it's all online. Or if you don't want to read like a huge bible length you could just go get they have like selected poems where yeah. you just read the the greatest hits you gotta read yeah them all. but if you're an american or a non-american and you want to respect us for our dominance 
Wildman. What up? The American Bard. And if you're in England, and uh, that's where he got popular, popular, so that might be even a good, good call if you haven't seen or read his stuff before. Well, and I think the difference between American and English culture is negligible, and really we just bitch at each other. But it's the same <laughs> culture. They're funnier. They're, their humor's better. Yeah, that's your, better. That's mm-hmm. fine. American it's poetry is better, I'll, though. I'll give you their music. I mean, without England, there's no Beatles. There's mm-hmm. no Who. Mm-hmm. There's no punk rock, and there's no knackers in the breeze. Without England, you're gonna you're gonna put them on the level with Jimi Hendrix and stuff. Yeah, yeah, me too. Hey, good job, Ryan and Barry. Uh, I love those guys. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll give you guys some Whitman loving if uh, you email me. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. I'll give you some Whitman. Don't loving. don't email. It's a trick. <laughs> email. Well, thanks again for listening to another one of our podcasts. I'll find your penis. People time. I will find your penis. People time has been brought to you by all the different versions of Leaves of Grass. Please buy them if you're into it, and then tell your weird cousins about us. Mm-hmm. And subscribe and stuff. Everybody has a weird cousin, right? I know I, I do. Everybody. That's the thing. Do you have a weird cousin? Oh, I've got weird cousins for <laughs> sure. Yeah, we got a lot of weird cousins. <laughs> that's fine i hope they listen to this one you know day. what to them we're the weird cousins so but who's right i'm right they're weird <laughs> this is weird because i don't think i've ever told my cousins that are weird that they're weird and if they think i'm weird they never told me so i don't think that's a thing you don't really get down on the level right. with a cousin you don't ever talk about that unless you're in you the south then be. you get down on that level you just way down well so. way down that's a different level yeah you see each other twice a year and try to ignore it yeah. Hey, it's Thanksgiving. Hello. <laughs> hey, it's Christmas. Hello. And you just try to not make eye contact. <laughs> you know what's weird is that with cousins, you do legitimately love them as a person. Yeah. Don't want to be in- involved yeah. in any way. Well, then you always got that weird one that's kind of hot. And you're like, he's kind of cute, though. <laughs> hey, you want to have some Whitman times with me? Want to have some Whit Waltmans in the basement of Grandma's house? <laughs> no, you're you definitely like get... the weird cousin. Yeah, well, you explain this to me then. Want to go over to grandma's and then get drunk later? Ha ha! <laughs> What's wrong with that? This fucking story again. What's wrong with that? I think there's a there's several poems in Lisa Grath about this exact scenario. I don't think he was incest though, right? Not that I saw. I mean, uh, there was a weird book by a guy uh, who talked about Whitman's homosexuality. Who in, who he insinuated that he had sex with his brothers, and the oh. problem with that is people having sex with their brothers happens. There's no indication for that. Mm. He pulled it right out of his ass, yeah. so nobody really attaches to that. But that has been said before. You know? hmm. Okay, stupid. It's a stupid thing to say. Shit, I'm the weird cousin though. That's it's weird to find out this way, but <laughs> it's also kind of nice because you know what? My place. I don't know. It's good that you know. Now you can. Digest it in whatever way you. I, need I don't to. know if I should keep going the way to, I'm going and just be weird, or no, just start tucking your shirt into your pants and wearing t-shirt. a fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have like some sort of crusty substance around your lips, right? I always talk about the same thing, which is uh, always. Have what's like... the offshoot of Pokemon? Digimon. <laughs> Digimon. <laughs> just talk about Digimon. Yeah, every Christmas. You gotta go <laughs> to your cousins and be like, "Hey guys, uh." <laughs> Have you guys seen mm-hmm. the latest Digimon movie? Do you still have level 5 Digisaur? <laughs> no. I have level 8. And then you walk away, and you're like, they're so weird. They- <laughs> <coughs> <coughs>
don't even know Digimon. <laughs> I can weird. Yeah, the weird ones aren't they? Weird. Listen to my podcast. <laughs> I, think we, I think we need to spare our Digimon listeners for the rest podcast. of it. So, uh, thanks for listening again. Hey, love you guys. People time. Please email us and shit. Walt Whitman. We like to thank our guests as well. Yeah, thanks. Uh, uh yeah. What was it again? Walt Whitman. Mantano, right? Bam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'd like to. We'd like to have. Uh, Withany back at some point. Yeah, it's fine with me. Yeah. yeah, we got three mics now. Yeah, and a processor that can't fucking handle it. I think. Jesus Christ, with technology. Hey, subscribe to all this stuff. Email us. Facebook. Send us subscription or send us ideas. Send us people, people you want to do. This was another. We. This is now gonna be the fourth or fifth in a row that we've done that's been a request. Yeah, I don't know if we acknowledge that. This is a request by our co-host here. Yeah, I think you did earlier. You drunky. Oh God. <laughs> My brain is shit. All right. Hey, thanks again for listening to one of our podcasts. Be sure to catch our next one that's coming out. Thank you. People time. People time. Hey, click on the next one and subscribe, bitch. We're all flawed in severe ways. (laughs) I...